Welcome to episode 193 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the trick-or-treat edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host uh, on the eve of Halloween. Uh, we're not changing anything. We're not wearing any costumes. We're still ourselves here. And, of course, doing this with my co-host, the iRacing Indy 500 champion, uh, computer genius, a gentleman, and a scholar. His name is Josh Fine, and I don't think you're going to be dressed as... Uh, jackson deville tomorrow by any means i don't think i know it is your uh birthday week but i don't think that you're gonna start turning into jackson deville for any reason <laughs> i like that no um i don't think i could pull that off uh, i don't even have a jackson deville costume or anything like that and uh it's a lot of effort to do that and i'd probably get really uncomfortable real quick and would have to probably bring a change of clothes or something to uh do that but um yeah, I mean the Jacksonville Jaguars are six and two uh, going into the bye week uh, on a roll, just beating the hated Pittsburgh Steelers and waving the terrible towel uh, the Jaguars players were, which I extremely liked and made all those uh, Steelers fans in Middleburg cry uh, that their team lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars of all teams. So glad to see that happen. And of course, uh, you know, on the NASCAR side, we had a bit of a interesting weekend there with Xfinity and uh, Cup uh, round of eight finale going into the final four. So, and plus the uh, Formula One uh, Mexican Grand Prix. So yeah, ready to get into it. Yeah, a lot went on at Martinsville uh, this past weekend for Xfinity and Cup determining the final four in both series. Uh, We'll get into all the action that took place there. Uh, Amazing uh, handling of what a you seeing the team dynamics of one team on Saturday and then on Sunday, a dominant performance or, or a, a clutch performance, one that we haven't ver- seen very often or hadn't seen up to this point. But uh, he may be turning a corner. We'll get in all that. We'll talk about uh, the first lap incident in the Mexican Grand Prix and what ensued after that by probably we could make a... a a call that the Mex the fans of the, that were at the Mexican Grand Prix and their behavior uh, trumps the behavior of the fans that were at the Austrian Grand Prix a couple of years ago or the Dutch Grand Prix. Um, I mean, the characters obvious some similarities there, but I'm not going to go there with that. But we'll get into all that went on at the the uh, Hermanos Rodriguez circuit. Fish Lips has now won 31 races in the last two years, uh, calendar years, and we still aren't done with the season. Um, he's probably going to end up breaking Lewis's record because the MFR wins 15, 16 races a year. So um, for all you people that want to see that, God bless you. Because when he, the karma train hits him, it's not going to be pretty because he whines and moans and he starts falling apart when anybody gets anywhere near him. And he stop, starts... Uh, Forget, forgetting how to drive a race car all of a sudden. So hopefully Lewis starts pushing him again. That would be nice. Uh, we will get into uh, the 49ers and what has transpired over the past three weeks. They were 5-0, and blowing out the Dallas Cowgirls, and since then they have it's Jekyll and Hyde um, everywhere uh, among across this team. So it's something I'll probably rant a little bit on that. Uh, we'll... In the roundup, we'll talk about MotoGP and Moto2. 
They were in Thailand this past weekend. Surfers Paradise had the supercars and a rare occurrence for the supercars this season. Um, the World Superbike Championship had their season finale at Jerez. Uh, Las Vegas hosted the NHRA for their next to last race of the 2023 season. Central European Rally, a first running in three different countries, uh, saw a usual suspect, one that is a very young driver, uh, making his name in the sport of rallying. And then we'll uh, preview the season finale at Bahrain and the postseason test for the World Endurance Championship. And we'll discuss the news that came out this past weekend from Eric Almirola. Uh, interesting based on some of the other stuff that went on during the weekend at Martinsville, but Eric Almirola made an announcement. We'll have our thoughts on that. We will then preview all three major NASCAR series. There will be ARCA West or whatever there as well, and uh, I don't know what I, I think they're also, yeah, they're going to have a double header on Friday, so I think the ARCA West will race after or before the trucks and then we'll we'll make our race winner picks, uh, wild card picks, or best our yeah uh, favorites, wild cards, and championship four order. Uh, I just copied that the same way for all three, just for us for uh, continuity sake. And Josh will let us know all things going on in the world of uh, sim racing and gaming in a sim segment, and uh, we will close the deal. So first and foremost, we will start with the Xfinity five hundred. At Martinsville on Sunday, uh, Martinsville has brought the action for many decades. Uh, bring the action! Uh, it's been uh, a great uh, cutoff race leading into the Final Four. It's basically everything that Phoenix isn't, and it didn't really disappoint in that sense. Obviously, there were um, there wasn't as much. Uh, there was only 12 lead changes, but that was mainly because there was five cars that were dominant figures amongst the whole entire day. But one that was really dominant was uh, Ryan Blaney uh, driving his discount tire Ford. Uh, finished second in stage one, one stage two, came from 11th, led four times for 145 laps, and came back after pitting uh late in the race and took overtook Eric Almirola, aforementioned Eric Almirola, to win uh, his third race of uh, 2023. Uh, they effed up there on that. Third race of 2023 and 10th of his career. So milestone victory and uh, what a time to get that. Uh, Brian Blaney, Eric Almirola, Denny Hamlin, Chase Briscoe, and Joey Logano the top five, Chase Briscoe started third, so I'm going to probably talk about him for a little bit there. Four Fords in the top five, that's something. Uh, for how bad this year has been for Ford, four Fords in the top five, and going to Phoenix, which is also a good track for Fords um, to end the year as a respite after what has been an ugly season for the, the Blue Oval gang. Uh, Kyle Larson finished sixth. Christopher Bell, seventh. Of course, they were both locked in, so they didn't have anything to worry about. Christopher Busher uh, was off most of the weekend, was struggling, eventually ended up eighth, but he needed to win. Uh, he'll be racing for fifth in points, and uh, 
building blocks towards what he's going to hope will be a championship run next year. Gumby Sindrick and Todd Gilliland, I think they're twins because they're both tall and gangly and goofy looking and they're sons of somebody of, of some semblance uh, round out the top 10. So credit to Todd Gilliland for actually uh, getting a top 10 finish. Uh, he has, of course, Martinsville has been a great track for him. It's where he won his one truck race for Kyle Busch and basically uh, um, napalmed his ride there. I mean, he knew he was leaving anyways, but he napalmed Kyle Busch in, in the post-race press conference. Gumby Sindrick has had a pretty poor sophomore season after winning the five Daytona 500 Rookie of the Year by default because of that. So getting a top 10 here, good for both of them. Dow Walsh Jr. finished 11th. Martin Truex Jr. started on pole, um, got stage points in stage one, but faded back. And after winning the regular season title, uh, Martin Truex, he's 12th. He finished 12th yesterday, and he is actually 12th overall in points. If you kept it based on the regular point standings and accumulation of points throughout the whole season, he's 12th in points, which is ridiculous. To, I mean, shows how basically... Before we got to Darlington, or at Darlington was uh, the last race, or, or yeah, or no, I'm, I'm forgetting now. Daytona was the cutoff, right? And then Darlington was the first race. Of the, yeah, so at Daytona, he was a regular season champion, and definitely a lot of people were thinking like he was a favorite to win this championship. And in the span of, what, two months, he has disappeared, Uh one of the worst performances, I think, out of a favorite driver uh, for a championship in recent memory. Uh, it's just crazy to see how this implosion took place. We usually see that with Denny Hamlin, but Martin Truex Jr. became a ghost for the last nine races um, and basically ceased to exist. He was the last car in the lead lap. William Byron struggled for most of the day was holding on for dear life, basically was praying for a miracle because he's one of those. And um, and Rudy Fugel was eating a bunch of churros. And uh, in the end, it all worked out for them. He finished a lap down in 13th place, but that was enough to make the, make the final four uh, over Dennis Hamlin, who needed to win the race, basically, where by the time it got down to it, to get in Ryan Blaney if he hadn't won the race was going to make it in on points but he had other plans uh Chase Elliott finished 17th in the race and Tyler Reddick finished 26th a brutal day for him qualifying he spun out and that was basically a precursor to what happened on Sunday so we'll uh take it from we'll take it with this Ford's four out of the top five but YRB um putting himself in position to possibly do what Joey Logano did uh, last year and uh, come out of nowhere in a sense and win this championship. Uh, there's been, the precedent has been usually winning that first race of the round of eight, which in that sense would be, we'll talk more about it later, but Kyle Larson did that. But I think there's just as much weight in winning the week before going into a championship round when there's some somewhat similar, there are similarities track wise and what you kind of need from the car at Martinsville and at Phoenix. So for YRB, 
he's been great at Phoenix over the years, recent years. Martinsville, he started to become really, really good there too. Yesterday, he put it all, he put it on the field and won this race to lock himself in to the final four. And the confidence that he has, he, the swagger he has, he's not cocky and arrogant like Joey Logano, but that's, you know, being a Blaney, I think you're just not, you're predisposed to not really showing emotion that way. But I think deep down inside, he's got a lot of energy in him and he's saving it for Sunday um, to possibly go and become a NASCAR Cup Series champion to join his teammate, Joey Logano, as a Cup Series champion. Uh, what did you think of Ryan Blaney's performance on Sunday, Josh? And also uh, takeaways from the guys that made it in, uh, particularly uh, William Byron and the guys that didn't, uh, specifically Denny Hamlin, who yet again falls short. Martin Truex, like I mentioned, um, lesser with with uh, Tyler Reddick and Busher because Busher basically um, struggled the whole playoff to the same extent as uh, Martin Truex. But for RFK, this is a big year compared to where they were a year ago. Tyler Reddick is in his first year at 23-11, and they were inconsistent the whole year. The fact they made the final eight was with a win. So you have to give him credit for making that progress. Bubba has made progress as well. So as an organization, they're moving forward, and I think they're going to grow that way. But I think the two main key people that we have to look at are um, Hamlin and Truex for the guys that got eliminated. But uh, what were your thoughts? I mean, for Ryan Blaney, uh, you know, looking at his whole season this year um, outside of the Coca-Cola 600 up until uh, the playoffs uh, really hadn't shown uh, a whole lot. But in terms of, you know, wins or um, results, but they've kind of been the best uh car this year at Penske. Uh, we've seen Joey Logano not really put up that great of a run this entire year, and it showed in his early elimination in uh, the round of 16. Austin Sendrick's been a non-factor this year, so you know this year Ryan Blaney has really carried the flag for Team Penske's, and they haven't shown a lot of speed uh, this year until the playoffs, and somehow you know, Dale Jr. had put Ryan Blaney in the championship for, and I'd been questioning that uh, for so long until the last couple of weeks. And, you know, last week at Homestead, Blaney was probably in position to win that race. Uh, if it stayed green uh, throughout the end, he probably would have won. Uh, and then this week uh, at Martinsville, coming coming through uh, in the middle of stage two, fighting Hamlin uh, for the lead and ultimately end up winning the race, uh, which is apparently Martinsville is his home track, according to Marty Snyder, which is the first I've ever heard of that. But um, you know, he won there, won at Talladega, which we know he's good at, so that's not too surprising there. But now he has a chance here at Phoenix to go and possibly win the championship. You know, last year, um, probably should have won the championship race over, you know, competing as a non-contender in the championship over uh, Joe Logano uh, there. But obviously we saw how he reacted after uh, that race in uh, Phoenix last year. He was very frustrated that uh, he couldn't or wasn't able to pull off the win there for whatever reason. You know, some conspiracy theorist will say that uh, he was told to lay over and make sure that Logano won the race uh, there instead of passing him and possibly, you know, opening up uh, 
the possibility of Ross Chastain last year winning the championship, but Logano won the championship over uh, Chastain last year with Ryan Blaney finishing second in that race. Uh, and Blaney, of course, finished second in the spring here at uh, Phoenix. So uh, he, he, uh, he's got a good good chance of actually winning it. This isn't just like a guy just kind of like getting lucky in the round of eight and possibly winning. You know, he's done what he's needed to do in the, uh, the last two rounds to make make it here to Phoenix now has a real shot to win the championship for the second year in a row for Penske and for Ford so um for that organization it would be his first career championship uh in NASCAR so uh he he's got a real good chance of this and you know definitely uh definitely can see him winning the title here uh so you know really dominant performance you know fought Fought hard with Denny Hamlin uh, throughout the middle of stage two and stage three, and um, yeah, at the end was able to get around Eric Almirola with 25 to go to uh, ultimately win the race. So um, yeah, for for Blaney, I mean, uh, we'll see if he he can do it. I think uh, you know he's coming into his own finally as a, a a Cup driver. You know, a couple years ago we talked about him on the show um, had kind of put up a lot of stage points to kind of carry himself into the playoffs back in like uh 2020 but then ultimately faded in that that year's uh running and you know now he's uh the part of the championship force so definitely a, a lot of improvement that he's shown uh you know over the course of his career um you know as far as the other guys um bring up the guys that were eliminated you know most you know notably Denny Hamlin of course you know, I, a lot of people you know poke fun at Denny Hamlin for choking because he has that tendency in the uh, championship round or in the round of eight. And, you know, really it's hard to blame him in this one. Um, You know, last week at Homestead uh, had the steering box failure, uh, power steering failure that led to him hitting the wall and getting uh, taken out of that race. And then, you know, this week just uh, wasn't able to be up front when it counted. Um, But they, you know, they definitely, uh, you know, not for a lack of trying there. So, uh, of course, you know, he's going to wish that he'd made this round. You know, he talked about it on his show, you know, throughout the year, his demeanor is that they'd be able to get to the championship four this time and uh, compete for the title. And, you know, for uh, for Denny, you know, he's going to have to try again next year. And, uh, you know, we'll see if he's able to uh, do something else. You know, obviously, he's going to have to figure out a way to win one of the final three uh, races before uh, Phoenix to be able to make it. I think that's probably his best chance of uh, making it into the final four but you know the, the results that he put up throughout the year um he's definitely a guy that could have could have been in it they just didn't have the luck on their side this time you know you talked about Truex in this uh entire playoff you know we talked about him um just relying on his playoff points throughout the entire uh run in the playoffs just for whatever reason you know they had a lot of bad luck as well or just uh didn't have the the pace so um, yeah, just a unfortunate result, and of course he was also in a must-win situation and uh, wasn't a factor after you know the very beginning of the race. So uh, for him, uh, you know, and they also caught a speeding penalty as well. So um, you know that's something that they'd like to have back. Uh, but Truex uh, just you know honestly wasn't a factor in this one. So it's you know tough for him, but on the end of the day, he's not making it in this one. Um, Chris or Chris Buescher you know, ended up finishing eighth in this one. It was kind of mid-pack for a lot of this, but ended up getting into the eighth position at the end. But still, you know, they were in a must-win situation. They just would have never had an opportunity without a caution, you know, within the last 150 laps of this race uh, that uh, went green. So, um, 
you know, that's unfortunate for him. And then uh, Redick, you know, had a bad start to the weekend anyways with spinning out and qualifying and relegated to 19th, you know, to place that Martinsville's turned into a track position race uh, with this next-gen car, although racing was actually pretty decent for uh, the next-gen here at, on a short track, So, but still ends up finishing two laps down. So uh, unfortunate for the guys that get eliminated, but, you know, Blaney makes it in. Uh, Larson is in for this uh, third year in a row, uh, you know, second as a driver, third as, you know, owner's championship last year being uh, on the owner's title side. Chris Bell makes it in for the second year in a row, uh, and William Byron makes it in for the first time. So, um, you know, all four of these drivers that made it in, I think, have an opportunity to uh, possibly win the championship. Um, I think, you know, each of them have uh, their strengths in this race. And so I think, you know, in my, in my opinion, I think this this one may be one of the more wide-open uh in terms of, you know, who, who could be there, uh, in first place at the end of the race. So, um, you know, there's not a one car in here that I can point to that or driver that I can point to that's like, okay, well out of these four, he's uh, really weak at this racetrack. So I think they're all equally strong. So it's going to be a, it's going to be definitely a tough race to watch on Sunday, but, um, yeah, this, this race, uh, definitely, uh, interesting, you know, the, um, tire change that they made to help, uh, with passing, I think it's definitely a step in the right direction. We saw um, some pretty good sustained green flag racing throughout and definitely saw some good battles, like we mentioned, with uh, Ryan Blaney and Denny Hamlin, you know, fighting each other throughout the race. Uh, Blaney and Larson fighting, or um, Hamlin and Larson fighting uh, towards the end with Hamlin trying to make passes to get up to, uh, you know, get up to the win possibly. Uh, so, um, you know, of course, not as good racing quality wise as possibly maybe the Xfinity race on Saturday, but you know, for the next gen races that we've seen here at Martinsville, I think this one is definitely uh, one of the better ones. So uh, de- definitely a better change in that direction. You know, hopefully they add more horsepower in the coming years to fix the short track and road course package here. But uh, you know, now we're here at the final four, finally uh, in this uh, race here, this uh, season here in NASCAR 75th season. So um, looking forward to seeing how the championship race uh, comes out and, you know, wonder if uh, we get a winner here, that's a non-contender or, you know, if it stays the same and the championship winner ends up being also the race winner here in, in, in this race. Yeah, that's the thing that's been going on ever since we've gone to this format. Uh, the winner of the race has been a championship four contender. So um, there have been cars. I, when Jimmy ran his last race as a Hendrick driver um, in 2020, I think he probably had the car to win that day, and they told him to. They probably told him to lay down. I think it's. I'm. You can say conspiracy theory, or whatever. I think it's blatantly obvious. It's become that way uh, in a lot of cases, but more. It's been become more obvious. I think at Phoenix, it wasn't as obvious at Homestead. Because I think you actually had to um, have a good handling race car. You had to have make the thing work in long runs and stuff like that. With Phoenix, it's such a short race and the track is so crappy that really um, there's something to be said about if you have a better car than one of the final four. I mean, I, I don't, there's also other theories about it in terms of, you know, what they do with those four cars relative to the rest of the field. But for Ryan Blaney, he's there. And for a lot of years, people have said, well, Ryan Blaney is a good guy. 
I think he honestly is the most popular driver in this sport because he actually, for people that say he has a vanilla personality, I don't know what they're watching. Um, I think he actually is one of the more personal, personable people. Yes, he's he's not a big talker. If you've ever seen an interview with Dave Blaney or his uncle um, Dale Blaney, that's just not a Blaney thing. Um, Ryan, of course, has done pot his podcast for a while years ago. He's done plenty of so he has great interaction in social media. Um, him and Bubba are best friends, and we all know it largely because of social media um, and also how they support each other. Minus Talladega earlier this year, um, but the the thing is with with Blaney this win and. I never heard it that way either, the way that Marty Snyder is going off about it because of High Point only being an hour away from Martinsville. But there is a there is a validity to it because High Point relative to Martinsville is closer than High Point is to Charlotte. So but in the end he's won at both of those racetracks this year, so he could start turning into Martin Truex, you know, since Martin Truex has like 18 home tracks. I think there's only 18 tracks on the circuit, so or something like that. So um, Ryan Blaney can start having home tracks everywhere, wherever his girlfriend's hometown is. That's that's his home track too, you know. Um, anything in Ohio, in the state of Ohio, since they're the family's from Ohio, um, et cetera, et cetera. But yesterday he this last few weeks and i think in some of these races that he especially this 600 and this race he got into another gear he got another gear and it's something that has been missing but we wondered would ryan blaney ever get there he has now can he go and clutch up next week do it again hold off two hendrick cars one that's coming into it for the first time ever and coming off a race where he was generally mediocre um, and really not a factor and needed help. Kyle Larson, who's got all kinds of money, all kinds of things going on, he wants to be able to say it. he's a two-time champion twice in the last three years. He's nowhere near as dominant this year as he was two years ago, uh, but putting himself in the history books, getting tied with... Uh, with Terry Labonte as uh, Detroit scores another touchdown there. That was Sam Laporta. So for all you people that have tight ends in your league and you have Sam Laporta, congratulations. Um, the, uh, I mean, with with William Byron and Kyle Larson, uh, with the lineage of the five car there at Hendrick Motorsports, um, 24 back in the final four, first time since, of course, Jeffy in his uh, final year and final race in 2015 and then you have christopher bell who uh when you look at joe gibbs racing then toyota uh he's the one guy that toyota has invested a lot of money in and they kept him and he's been able to grow and the 20 team he's gotten adam stevens of course a two-time championship crew chief with kyle bush and now they've made the last two championship fours he's a guy who is starting to kind of take a, a similar line to Kevin Harvick's trajectory where he would be that closer type coming out of nowhere, winning races. He's not somebody that dominates races, but he's there when it counts. He doesn't do it every week. Um, he's not dominant in that way, but he's a very crafty driver, really talented, 
this is a very interesting Final Four, to be fair, and it's the next generation. This is probably the first Final Four that now we're in the 75th year of NASCAR. This Final Four is a game-changing Final Four for the sport. Um, if Larson wins a second championship, he's widely regarded as one of the best race car drivers in the world. Pretty sure he is. Um, you can count him in the top five without a problem. Byron has been uh, one of those, like he's been like size spread, whatever type talents coming from the sim, r doing sim racing initially, and then having daddy's money to help him along too. But his talent really helped him. To, uh, he, he had the talent to back it up. He has a personality of cardboard, but that fits Hendrick Motorsports perfectly fine. Uh, you have Christopher Bell, who everybody has said for years is one of the most talented guys. Can he add his name to his two teammates as Cup Series champions? And then Ryan Blaney, who arguably and honestly is the most popular driver in the sport and uh, has been on the cusp of taking making a breakthrough. If he makes this breakthrough uh, with back-to-back with -back wins to end this season, Penske is in great shape. Penske's in great shape anyway as an organization, but Penske is in really good shape if Ryan Blaney pulls this off on Jonathan Hassler and that 12 bunch. Um, it makes all the sacrifice and all the energy and moving him from the woods to a third car at uh, Penske all worthwhile. And him as a champion is a very good thing for the sport. I think if one of those guys was to win it, and it would be the best thing for NASCAR, a Blaney win is the best win for NASCAR. In terms of LCD, of course, it's Kyle Larson. Christopher Bell would be a, a champion that, you know, he's kind of, he's a racer, uh, not a big talker. And, um, I mean, Will, Will Byron's Will Byron. Um, he'll say all the right things, but in a lot of ways, he reminds me of Mike Pence. Um, so, you know, like, I mean, Christopher Bell reminds me of just like your average run of the like his personality's average run of the mill uh guy he's like he's got like ned flanders tendencies to me and then but then he's he's got the driving talent of freaking um you know tony stewart you know he's got tony stewart's driving talent and then he he has the characteristic he has the kind of like personality of ned flanders so it's like i don't know what the hell to take from that and then larson just just a goofball who is like Tim Richmond and can drive anything, but his personality is basically of a grapefruit. So um, if NASCAR, if NASCAR really wants something that's going to have be dynamic, I think they need to start rooting for Ford and, and Ryan Blaney, but that's just me. Now on the flip side of the cup series where it was relatively tame on Sunday was the Xfinity uh, demolition derby that took place um at the in the dead on tools 250 and one thing that was dead on is that uh austin hill and sheldon creed do not like each other and i would also add that basically everybody within the rcr organization has done everything in their power to make sure that sheldon creed doesn't succeed and that they favor austin hill uh my goodness what a insane insane uh race that took place on sunday or saturday uh going and having the the 
incidents and everything that that took place there. Um, I mean, uh, there's plenty of cautions. It, if you're looking for great driving standards, you definitely did not get that in this race. Uh, there was a lot of argy bargy going on, a lot of bad driving. Yeah, so 15 cautions. The race was a 250 lap race, 101, or it ended up being 256. So 101 of the races, 256 laps were under yellow, which is freaking ridiculous. Um, I mean, you look at the green, I mean, they had, I mean, you had certain people here, the the 53 was Akinori Ogata, I think. So he was involved in two cautions. I think every seed car was involved in a yellow at some point during the day. He had the 38, the 29, the 39. Um, I'm, I forget, yeah, the 28, yeah, the 28, or no, the 29, the 39, the 38. And I think there was one other one, right? I think they had four cars, the 28. Yeah, so every single one of their cars was involved in a caution at some point during the day, uh, which is ridiculous, which is really bad. Um, but then when you employ people like uh, CJ McLaughlin and uh, Joe Graff Jr., you really can't expect anything different. And when you have Kyle Sieg, who's probably over his head too, that doesn't help. Brian Sieg is not a crasher per se, but he had mechanical issues um he spun and he was having mechanical issues so just a bad day for him the the results of the race justin allgaier the winner in a um photo finish going to the line over sheldon creed sammy smith started on the pole led the most laps but once he lost track position wasn't able to get back up there probably largely because of all the yellows riley herbst finished fourth, continuing his strong end to the season after what was a uh, uh, ho-hum most of the season. That first win at Las Vegas and the way he did it has probably has set him free, and now all of a sudden he looks like he has something. His future teammate at Stuart Haas Racing, Josh Berry, at one of his best racetracks, gets a top-five finish. Daniel Hemrick, sixth. Parker Retzlaff, uh, one of our usual dark horse picks, Finished seventh, qualified in the top 10. Anthony Alfredo having the race sponsor on his 78, getting one of his best finishes of the entire year, maybe his best finish all year. Um, Jeb Burton from tailback to ninth, and then Parker Kligerman in 10th. Uh, he had he caused one of the yellows during the day. Um, so to, for him to come back from that is something. And you have... I think the next from there is Lane Riggs in 11th. Lane Riggs got used up, I don't know how many times, and for him to get all the way back to 11th, I mean, that's just what a job by him. And how the guy doesn't have full funding is beyond me. I'll also say the same for Raja Karuth. Um, getting a top 15 run for the Tommy Joe Martins team is huge. I, I did shit on CJ McLaughlin because he does suck, but he did finish 13th. Uh, on on Saturday, I mean, we can get into why we're going to get into why here shortly. Josh Williams, who has they have the checkers or wreckers diecast for uh, the car he parked at Atlanta 
out there. So I would think that I would hope that he gets some residuals for if he were to go and if we were to go and buy that die cast uh, because he deserves it. He's a good guy. And Myatt Snyder finished just rounds out the top 15. Uh, Brockshot Jones was up front for a good part of the day, top 10, but didn't finish there. Jeremy Clements, the same. John Hunter Nemechek, Cole Custer finished 19th, and that's big um, for a reason. Austin Hill, 21st. Sam Mayer, 25th, uh, got destroyed, uh, not uh, because he didn't uh, take into account the slowing down the Josh Balicki, and he smashed into the back of him after the first during the first yellow. And then Chandler Smith had engine, had uh, mechanical issues, and then wrecked the car. Um, lame duck guy, going to be moving on to Joe Gibbs Racing. They haven't announced, uh, I mean, it seems like he is going to be there. Uh, but we also know one other guy that's going to be there. And that's, a th- I mean, one is Justin Allgaier for a good amount of the race. It didn't look great for him. Uh, it was looking pretty sketchy uh, to go and make that uh, final four. Uh, he had he had to sweat it for a bit. Um, Sammy Smith led a lot of the race, so then that really changed the whole dynamic. But in the end, right place, right time for Justin Allgaier. Uh, at a track where he's been close before uh, to finally get that first win at Martinsville and lock himself into the Final Four, joining uh, Sam Mayer and John Hunter Nemechek, who locked himself in earlier in the race. So those three guys um, make it in. Sheldon Creed, uh, yet again, comes close to winning his first career Xfinity race, but falls short, and the major... Uh, takeaway from this race was the action that took place between himself and his teammate Austin Hill. Uh, they're not really fond of each other. Um, that's pretty clear. Uh, they've um, not raced each other with a lot of respect throughout the whole for the la- for the good part of this year. It wasn't really as bad last year. Nobody, I think, they were in two different really zones. Um, Austin Hill wasn't as dominant of a figure last year. He did win super speedway races and whatever, but that was really what he is, a one-trick pony. This year, he started winning on all different types of racetracks, and he was him and and John Hunter Nemechek had took off and disappeared. Uh, It took until the middle of the year for Allgaier to wake up. Um, But this year, it looks like Sheldon Creed has been trying harder, which with him, with how, how... how he is and how aggressive he is as a driver leads to accidents and leads to incidents while in turn driving that doing that around your teammate has also led to um some very uh tough situations whether inflicted or not um austin hill spends most of his time bitching and moaning anyways if he doesn't get his way because he's daddy's money um sheldon creed also comes from some semblance of money but he also is one of the best wheelmen we've seen. Uh, he's a protege of Robbie Gordon. So, I mean, there's a lot of similarities to some of the actions that uh, Sheldon Creed has done, especially with his teammate that speak to being like Robbie Gordon, who also used to be employed by Richard Childress. Um, but he needed to win the race. And Austin Hill theoretically didn't need to win the race. There at the end of end of that deal, um, they, there was a massive wreck there that caused a green-white checkered, 
um, Sheldon Creed led lap 254. Um, Austin Hill led lap 255, but they were side by side. Um, uh, they doored each other. Sheldon Creed eventually gets around Austin Hill, but for whatever reason, whether he intentionally parked in front of Austin Hill or he lost grip and he couldn't get through, get, couldn't get off the corner, whatever the, the reasoning was, because of that incident between those two drivers, um, Justin Allgaier got room, got the room to go and be able to get side by side with Sheldon Creed and win the race, lock himself into the final four while Sheldon Creed is left wanting and both RCR cars get knocked out. Um, RC goes and basically defames uh, Sheldon Creed in post race, uh, uh, post race uh, with the media. Um, Andy Petrie basically verbally attacks Sheldon Creed on the pit on pit road, and Sheldon Creed goes and says, "If if Aust- if he had done that to me, you wouldn't have cared anyway," which is true. Um, he handled himself relatively well, I gotta say, uh, in post race presser, considering where he's going or what he's doing. Austin Hill continues to be a you know uh, a bitch and bitched and moaned about how he's not a team player and this and that and the other thing and he's glad he's going to joe gibbs racing i i don't think that that's really a classy thing to do but then i'm not exactly expecting class from an inbred hillbilly from georgia um i mean in the end he hasn't austin hill hasn't done enough to justify being in this playoff or being in the final four he's been pretty mediocre the last few weeks so he has he he took it out of his own hands by not performing. His crew chief got suspended last week because they couldn't put tight and lug nuts. You, you you're you you did it to yourself. You didn't perform. You you your cars the cars weren't good. He wasn't performing as a driver. Andy Street wasn't doing the job he needed to do, and he was sitting at RCR and welcome watching the twenty one team blow themselves out of the playoffs. Um, but they want to use Sheldon Creed as a scapegoat uh, because they've made contact. They made contact at Bristol, which I honestly think was we dis- we went uh, different ways on that. Um, in this case, I don't. I'm a I I will say that I have rooted for Sheldon Creed over the years. I think he's got the talent, but he hasn't been used right at RCR, uh, which is why he's leaving. Um, he was racing his teammate. He needed to win the race. I think in the end, he didn't dump him. He didn't send him. He didn't do what Keebler Gibbs did to Brockshot Jones last year. They were dooring each other. They're racing. The only question I have, and I would love to see SMT data on it, is what happened in turns three and four um, with his throttle trace. Uh, was Austin Hill up his ass and he his re- rear wheels were lifted off the ground? Or did he just decide to go and parallel park his car in three and four intentionally, which in turn would destroy him and then he wouldn't make it. Now, if you're if you're that calculated in that spot, I I mean, that's a whole nother level. I mean, I know Robbie Gordon has done some weird shit over the years, but that's something I would have to say is next level personally. Uh, But in the end, Sheldon Creed wanted to win, wanted to advance, and he uh, didn't. And Austin, 
what do you call Justin Allgaier as a beneficiary. The controversy between those two guys is something that we aren't really sure what's going to happen in the end because the entry blank says Sheldon Creed because they put it out or put it through weeks ago. You have to put your entry for a race, I think, three weeks in advance or some shit. I forget the rules, but um, Sheldon Creed was going to be on that entry list anyways because they put it out weeks ago. The reality of the world is after what took place on Saturday, the chances of Sheldon Creed um, driving the two car this weekend are probably not very high. Um, then probably this is going to go to litigation, um, which to be fair, it's Richard Childress and all the money he has with some of the people that he's involved with. Um, he's probably going to pay it off. I mean, he pays to let Austin Dillon go and destroy race cars for decades. So he's probably going to go and pay Sheldon Creed to sit at home this weekend, but a lot of action, a lot of bad driving, um, and in the end, a uh, finish that will be used for highlight reels for years to come, Josh. Yeah, I mean, this race was definitely one of the more chaotic ones that we've seen uh, for the round of eight elimination race. Um, you know, I think what happened in this race is kind of what I was expecting to see on Sunday in the cup side. But, you know, I think the cup series, they race more professionally there. And this one, you know, just a lot of wrecking in the end. And, you know, really, I think, you know, a lot of people, the focus is going to be on the finish of that with uh, Sheldon Creed and Austin Hill getting into it with each other. Um, you know, Sheldon Creed did what he needed to do to win the race. He raced his teammate hard there. Uh, did you know they pay him to win a championship, and he did exactly what he needed to do there. Um, but then you know uh, the turn three and four on the final lap, uh, he says he slipped in some oil and couldn't couldn't get a good drive off of there, and that's why he slowed up in the middle of three and four. Um, and then Austin Hill ran into the back of him and uh, triggered the last lap crash, which was very reminiscent of uh, you go back to 2017 uh, in the Cup Series, Danny Hamlin uh, wrecking the field uh, there um, on the final lap uh, of that one. Uh, looked very reminiscent to that. And I think last year's Xfinity race in the spring as well. So, um, I mean, really a focus on that one. Uh, I mean, Austin Hill, you know, I think, Fans' opinion of him changed uh, this past weekend. Um, you know, he talks about being a tough guy and everything, but then goes out and races like a you know a crybaby, I guess. So according to what fans have been saying on Twitter and Reddit and stuff, and um, you know, he'll uh, you know he could have could have been a little bit more forward thinking there because uh, there was still an opportunity for him to go out and win the race. Uh, or not win the race, but at least make it into the final four. Even if Sheldon Creed had won, uh, you know, Cole Custer possibly, you know, finishing sixth or seventh on a tiebreaker uh, there and could have uh, made it in that way. Uh, but no, he goes and runs in the back of his teammate because uh, I guess maybe he was salty about how his teammate raced him there in the final lap and a half of that race uh, and, you know, getting moved over uh, like that. But um, you know, I think more interesting than besides that, you know, is the response afterward, like you said, what we talked about, uh, Childress calling him the stupidest driver he's ever, that's ever raced for him. Andy Petrie yelling at him, uh, on pit road and then Sheldon Creed, uh, you know, basically saying, well, this is why I'm leaving because of, you know, stuff like this, Austin Hill, um, you know, saying, accusing him of 
being calculated enough to uh, jam the brakes in the middle of turn three and four to ruin both of their races, I don't think that's possible um, and everything. And then you brought up the Robbie Gordon dynamic. Uh, remember uh, Sheldon Creed, protege of Robbie Gordon, and you know Robbie Gordon helped him uh, secure that ride over at RCR, um, and it was a good reference for that. I'll remember... You know, back in the day when Robbie Gordon was racing the 31 cars, often kind of the black sheep over there at RCR, and then ultimately got released uh, towards the very end of the 2004 season uh, and got moved over uh, from that from that ride. So, um, and you know, ended up you know not doing very much in NASCAR after that, but you know, definitely um, wasn't on the good side of uh, Richard Childress. So I find that very similar, and you know, in that aspect, um, but. Uh, the team ownership just not uh, acting very professional there and everything just kind of shows the environment that is at uh, Richard Childress Racing. You know, the um, they really only care about one one car, it seems like, in each series. Um, and, you know, or the car of uh, you know, the grandson. Uh, he got, it was 2004, he got replaced uh, by Jeff Burton in 2000, the end of the 2004 season because Burton got released uh and yeah, got, very true. Yeah. My fault yeah. because he ran out of sponsorship and on the ninth, yeah. and because well, actually, wasn't it two thousand? Yeah, it was two thousand four. Yeah, because Carl Edwards came along and then started racing the ninety nine car. That's true. And then even though Carl Edwards wasn't listed as a rookie, he was a rookie in 05. Yeah. Okay. Now it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, all of that being said, you know, with the going back with the history of that, but so that's kind of what I was thinking about, but, um, you know, just, uh, they haven't really treated him right there. It seems like from what, you know, we are getting from this and, uh, Sheldon Creed, that's why he's leaving, uh, to go to our, or to Joe Gibbs, which that's, I found that funny too, is that, uh, Austin Hill was so mad that he accidentally revealed the plans for, uh, but Sheldon Creed before he had had a chance to uh, you know go out and announce that, so that that was a bit funny there too. So yeah, just a you know bad situation there for um, for those two teammates, you know, and chance for Sheldon Creed to finally get his first win here in the series. You know, ironically, he goes out and finishes in another side by side finish to Justin Allgaier, just like at Daytona uh, two months ago. So uh, you know, Sheldon Creed has had opportunities to win this year. Um, look at uh portland had an opportunity to win there possibly and uh that one kind of fell back uh, after some argy bargy there so um yeah i mean he's still got a little bit to work on i think as a driver but you know i definitely i uh, think he'll do a lot better in gibbs racing equipment rather than the rcr so um of course rcr still behind uh joe gibbs and behind junior motorsports there so um still looking to be better at that austin hill of course uh, you know, literally gave it away here in the last, you know, last lap of that race. Uh, of course, uh, look at, uh, we talked about Denny Hamlin being a choker and then everything. Well, that's a very textbook example there of, uh, choking away a chance to win a title. So, and of course, you know, he was the other guy this year that was really good besides John Hunter Nemechek. You know, there was at times throughout this year where he thought maybe he had, uh, the better season, but you know, at the end of the day, Hunter goes out and makes it in the final four and Austin Hill isn't. So, um, yeah, of course, uh, that just, uh, you know, what a way to, uh, lose your spot there for the championship four. And then of course, just Nagar winning to make it in. He was on the outside looking in. It was very tight on points at the very end, 
and then basically it was going to have to win the race there to uh win you know make it into the final four which he was able to do uh um so you know he of course last week at homestead uh had a flat tire in the middle of it and ends up finishing 15th a lap down so he definitely needed the points to uh be able to make it in uh here uh into the championship four which he's able to do so um now we have two junior motorsports cars here in the final four uh, Cole Custer and John Hunter and Emichek. So, you know, this is also a pretty interesting final four here in the Xfinity series. So, um, you know, you have everybody, you know, just nog our perennial final four contender, uh, going out, possibly have an opportunity to win the title finally for the first time. Uh, and then, you know, three young guns that, um, you know, haven't won kind of proving himself again after, uh, being in cup, um, uh, and, you know, not making it, uh, in, 2020 and then you know kind of rebuilding himself in the truck series the last couple of years so uh, and then uh cole custer also kind of rebuilding his career after uh cup uh with uh Stuart haas so um i think you know this championship four here in xfinity very very uh good throughout and sam mayer of course you know finally turning it uh his season around after a couple of road course wins and then winning at at homestead so uh it's going to be interesting here at Phoenix. I think, you know, all, all four of these drivers are going to be contending. We'll see who turns out. I mean, we'll make our picks later in the show, but uh, definitely looking forward to watching this one on Saturday or at least uh, being able to, uh, you know, follow the race and see, you know, how, how it all plays out. Yeah. The I mean, great points there, of course. Um, I mean, talking about Robbie Gordon and, and Sheldon Creed and the similarities, uh, Robbie Gordon had a habit of, uh, becoming a kind of a thorn in the side and uh blowing himself out of teams sheldon creed has had a relatively controlled nascar career in that you know in the arca series he raced uh i i forget what team he raced for in the arca series offhand now um but that was with jeff stankowitz and they won a championship there then they moved up to race for gms in the trucks he ends up going and winning a championship there. Um, very was resourceful. Needed a last uh, late race, last lap pass or whatever, or a green white checkered pass to do it. But he won the championship. Uh, Xfinity has not been as successful, um, but the town's there, and Joe Gibbs is probably going to benefit from it. But Austin Hill, it, it had I, you made the point about the Denny Hamlin choke job, and that's really what that twenty-one team as a whole has done there it was a combination of denny austin hill doing a denny hamlin choke job and then that team basically going into what the 19 team did which is disappearing uh because they were not a factor during this uh playoff run and they can blame you can blame the wind you can blame this that and the other somebody farted whatever but the 21 car stunk and uh they were good in the regular season but John Hunter Nemechek just kept on winning, and the 21 car stopped winning. And and the 7 car and Justin Allgaier woke up in the middle of the year and then took took notice and started putting himself out there and winning races. So in the end, that, that it swapped, and Justin Allgaier became that guy. And so it's a good thing he's in the championship. He's been close so many times. Can he finally close the deal? John Hunter Nemechek has been the best driver this season. They've been the best team. Can he 
finally close in a big spot, knowing that he's going to move up to Cup next year with Legacy. Um, Cole Custer, if he can go out there and as a reclamation, you know, having that uh, re- that redemption arc kind of uh, in Xfinity, um, being being a right place at the right time kind of guy this year and put it together. You know, there's a car open now at Stuart Haas Racing. And then, of course, for Sam Mayer, he's young. He's got a lot of money behind him with his family. Um, he has talent. Is he going to make his name as one of the youngest drivers ever to win the Xfinity Championship? So that's there's plenty of intrigue there. Um, the RCR stuff is pretty sad. I mean, Andy Petrie is a championship crew chief. And uh, he's seen a lot and been through a lot in the decades that he's been in the sport. Um, to be the director of competition at an organization and basically be castigating your driver in front of everybody um, is is a hack move. Richard Childress, his organization has been mediocre um, and irrelevant for the better part of the last two decades. Essentially, since Dale Earnhardt died, what is Richard Childress racing? Kevin Harvick made him, kept him somewhat re- relevant, but they, that started to go away. Um, if it wasn't him, they weren't winning. Uh, they became, they were a three-car organization, then they became a two-car organization. He's harbored Austin Dillon for his whole entire career, and the guy's a waste. Um, has, can somebody ex- tell me what race he's ever won on merit in the Cup Series? I'm waiting. Um, he's won, what, four races, so whatever. Credit to him. He's married to a freaking chick that looks like a tranny. Um, but, you know, like, what the hell What the hell does he bring to the table? He's short, and he's got a bald spot on the side of his head, and he's a, he's got an ego that's the size of Texas, but he has the driving ability of a thimble. Um, he, needed, he needed NASCAR's help to win an Xfinity championship, and he's... He ran over Eric Almirola to win the Daytona 500. He had fuel mileage at at uh, Charlotte in the 600, so it was at Casey Mears. And then he goes and what was it at Texas? You couldn't even pass. And and Tyler Reddick basically laid down uh, there. Is it? Does he have four wins or does he have three wins? Am I giving him credit for another win that I don't know? I'm gonna go and check. Daytona 500, Coke 600, uh, the. Coke zero four hundred last year in Texas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, I forgot about him driving at quarter throttle behind everybody else when everybody drove into a rainstorm because of NASCAR's um genius. Um and not yeah, you know, putting a, a yellow flag out um when you you're a multi billion dollar organization. You don't have anybody spotting out on the track in Florida in August and there's a rain torrential there's a thunderstorm in the middle of the afternoon nobody saw rain and then they send the whole entire field into turn one and destroy the whole field and who the only car that was there that was actually functional was him please um richard childress uh, is like he's his ego he carries himself still like the guy that you know, was the owner of Dale Earnhardt, and he was the owner of Dale Earnhardt and all this. But Dale Earnhardt, uh, unfortunately, hasn't been here for 21 years. The days of Dale Earnhardt and being the best team in the business ended well before that. They were not an elite organization, even at the end of Dale Earnhardt's time. 
they had started to go away that way too. Hendrick Motorsports became that team. You know, you look at some of these other organizations, Roush had bypassed them, Penske, et cetera, et cetera. The way he handles business, there's a reason why they don't win much. They're lucky that they got Kyle Busch largely because Joe Gibbs basically dumped him for Keebler. That's the only reason you have Kyle Busch. If you don't have Kyle Busch, you ran Tyler Reddick out the door. What are you What are you doing for drivers? I mean, really. Um, I like the Final Four. I think it's really interesting to see what's going to happen with that. Um, the, the, the nonsense that took place during that race is not great um, because you're just running over each other. Some of these guys are out of their depth, but, you know, it's part of the problem with Xfinity and trucks. You you can bring a bag and you could drive um, even if you you can't even drive a hot nail through snow. Speaking of people who uh, can't uh, drive a hot nail through snow, like, uh, you know, Lance, Lance Stroll, Lance Strolovich, uh, we will get into the Formula One uh, Mexican Grand Prix. Uh, which saw Fishlips win uh, his 16th race of the season, breaking his own record uh, from last year. So uh, it's pretty uh, insane to think for all the people that whined and moaned about the dominance of Lewis Hamilton. Um, they probably didn't know about what Sebastian Vettel did in 2011 and uh, 2013. Uh you know, they didn't watch when Michael Schumacher was around. Um, I mean, this is kind of similar. What Schum- what Schumacher used to do is what Fishlips is doing right now. And uh, he went out there and, and won another race. I mean, you had a red flag because of Kevin Magnuson's huge shunt. And uh, and it was, um, and they had to repair the barriers and all that stuff. So, um it was uh they once they did that you had a free pit stop. Uh, Karen Horner came out of course and spoke about Lewis Hamilton being lucky to finish second because of course when uh, his golden butt boy had to actually work a little bit, it's never credit to Lewis or Mercedes for doing the right things. It's uh, luck or this or that or the other thing. The uh, results of the Mexican Grand Prix. Um, in the end, Verstappen usually wins by double digits. He won by 13.875 seconds. Uh, Lewis was 10, 9 and a half seconds, whatever, ahead of Charles Leclerc, who uh, started on pole but got boat raced on the start. It was all Ferrari front row. Uh, smooth operator fourth. Lando Norris started in on the last row on the grid because he had issues in qualifying and came back to finish fifth. Um, I'm no fan of Lando Norris. I think he's a douche, but uh, he, I mean, he's not as douchey as his friend George Russell, but he's got, uh, he's got, uh, you know, knob gobbler tendencies. Um, Must be a thing being Max Verstappen's friend. Um, Lando Norris finished fifth, Russell sixth, Daniel Ricciardo, best race he's had in a long, long time. Best weekend he's had in a long, long time. Finished seventh. In the Alpha Tori, Oscar Piastri eighth, Alexander Albon ninth for Williams and Esteban Ocon rounding out the top ten. Yuki Sonoda had a chance to finish in the top ten to give double points for Alpha Tori. Um, got into an uh, incident uh, late in the race and knocked himself out of the points. Uh, so 
we go and use all that trying to I'm just going to, yeah, 15 seconds, whatever, record breaking is 31 in the last, 31 wins in the last two seasons for um, Fish Lips. Um, Checo, the big story from the race itself, other than the Magnuson wreck and having the red flag and having a reset, was Sergio Perez at home uh, trying to win his home Grand Prix in what probably will be his last uh, attempt. And uh, he got a great start, went three wide on the start, going all the way down that long front straightaway and tried to turn in in a three wide situation. Of course, uh, Verstappen was on the inside, Charles Leclerc was in the middle and he had nowhere to go. And uh, Sergio Perez turned across uh, the left front corner of his um, left front corner of uh, Leclerc's car and uh promptly went and launched himself into the night into the day into the sky and uh destroyed his car and knocked himself out of the race um the behavior of the mexican fans throughout the just in general not only on social media but during the weekend uh spoke to a greater problem which we might get into here um yeah, start sailback, Alpha Tori out of the basement and the constructors with that run from uh Daniel Ricardo, which is huge. Albon carrying Williams on his back. Um I will say before we move uh, go into your thoughts, Josh, I mean, I think one thing that's crazy, we talk about people who drop off the cliff. You had guys that were driving well at the start of the season and then went basically went to hell when it counted. We're at the end. We're in the second part of the season. Fernando Alonso was literally the only person that could compete with Fish Lips at the start of the year. The Aston Martins have completely dropped off a cliff. There's all kinds of rumors. Sounds like Stroll is trying to sell. Um, which, if that happens, of course, we'll get rid of Lance Stroll that way, which will be great. But um, there's a lot of stuff going on with that team. And that whatever development, they may have stopped development, whatever the things, they didn't stop development because they made an upgrade last week, but it didn't work. You, you're you now not even making it out of Q1. They basically flipped spots with McLaren. McLaren was in Q, couldn't even get out of Q1 at Bahrain at the start of the year. And now they're Q3 runners regularly and competing for podiums, uh, wins, and all that. It's insane. I've never seen that kind of turnaround for two organizations before, but in the sign of in the sense of Aston Martin, I mean that is a, atrocious. It's the amount of money they have and uh, that they put into it. Uh, there was issues, of course, for Haas and Alpha Sauber and all that. But um, the usual guy won. But I think there's a lot to be said about uh, the run that Lewis Hamilton had. He will keep the second place finish. Uh, there is a chance that he could possibly get second in the driver's championship. Um, you're starting to get the comments out of Red Bull and notice that uh, Lewis and that Mercedes are starting to make a little bit of a a run. They're not enough, not fast enough to win, but they're coming up there. And you're talking about a seven and a half or eight time world champion with more wins than anybody and more polls and all that. You're not going to keep him down, uh, but the season, we already know what this season is going to be. I don't think Max is going to lose the rest of the year unless he has a mechanical problem or crashes, which he isn't going to crash in that car. I don't think it would be on his own, um, but I think that's one piece is Lewis, and then also Sergio Perez's desperation to try and win the Mexican Grand Prix and 
the ill-advised uh, maneuver uh, he did because honestly, and to me, if he had just backed out of it prior to turn one and he tried to go and he waited getting through the chicane and tried to go and switch around, kind of do an old switcheroo as uh, Crofty would say, I think he would have had a chance. I think he give yourself a chance, your first corner of the race, back off, give yourself a chance to pass Leclerc probably on lap two, and then you have a straight fight with your teammate. The championships are over. They would have actually been able to race. Um, would they have really allowed him to race? I don't know because it's Red Bull, but he could have had a chance versus what had happened. But uh, what did you see, Josh, in terms of that and you know what Lewis is doing? Uh, towards fish lips and anything else that you thought about the Grand Prix itself. Yeah, I mean, you know, going to what happened with Checo Perez there in the first lap. Um, yeah, it's real unfortunate um, that he could make that move work and, um, you know, three wide on the first lap. Um, you know, it's it's definitely a, a hero move. Go be a hero on lap one. And, you know, coming from iRacing, what I've done on there, you know, a lot of people um, give each other, you know, uh, pep talk before the race, like, when we talk amongst ourselves and usually we all try to agree that, you know, nobody, nobody try to go out and be a hero on lap one. Cause it just usually ends in disaster. And, um, you know, for, uh, you know, Sergio Perez, I mean, yeah, it could have worked, but, and of course, you know, it's also possibly your only, maybe your last chance to win, uh, at your home track here in formula one. So I get it, but at the same time, uh, you know, it's really hard to, to go out and do that without making a mistake and taking yourself out or taking other people out with you. So, um, yeah, just, uh, is a, I guess you can give him credit for trying to make the move and try to win, but, um, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, you know, you, you don't win the race on lap one usually. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what I think about that, but, you know, you saw the emotion, uh, that he had afterwards, you know, on the onboard camera, just, uh, how, how much this race means to him and everything. Of course, um, we still don't know what his plans are post, uh, this season, but, you know, we know that there's possibly a potential retirement on the horizon. So we'll see, um, you know, if that looms and that has, you know, anything behind, uh, his emotion and, uh, his decision-making in this race. So, um, but, you know, definitely you know, had to try to do something, uh, to try to win over his teammate, which I do question that. I mean, I think uh, Verstappen, of course, has had the best pace all season, and even you know on days when Sergio Perez uh, had better pace than him, I think even then Verstappen still was probably going to be the better the better car. So and I think that would have been the case again uh, in this race if uh, he had survived that turn one move or that lap one move. So. Um, yeah, that's what I think there. Of course, you know, you mentioned Aston Martin and McLaren. I mean, it's really interesting to see how that has played out the last couple of races here and McLaren just suddenly becoming good, you know, since the summer break. And, you know, even before the summer break, you could start to see the results in uh, Aston Martin, you know, especially with Alonso, uh, you know, start to falter and start to taper off the last couple of, you know, couple of weeks before the summer break uh, of course Alonso started out with podiums uh, to start the year and it was like oh well Fernando's back and everything and you know he's really turned it turned it around helping this uh, this team and what we assume is going to be his last contract uh, but 
you know, the last half of the year, they've really disappeared and switched places essentially with, uh, with McLaren there. So, uh, for, you know, Monzo, you know, after a strong start, he's really just kind of stumbled here to the end, uh, in, uh, Formula One this year. So, um, we'll see if they can turn around next season, but it's, you know, definitely not the way that you want to end in the year. And of course, you know, Stroll has always been a step behind, of course, uh, and, had some flashes at the beginning of the year as well, but you know, he's had, had a lot more, uh, poor results, I guess, than Alonzo. And now it's just continuing to add up. And, you know, I think, you know, for Alonzo, I think he needs a good teammate. And I just don't know if Lance Stroll is really the teammate that he needs. You know, we know he's not really that great of a driver. So, uh, you know, if uh, they were to put somebody else that can compliment Alonzo, I mean, it won't happen, but you know, through it, theoretically speaking, you know, could a better teammate uh, potentially help him uh, post better results than what we probably expect to be his final season next year. We'll have to see. But, uh, you know, for that team, yeah, definitely very shocking to see considering where they started out this year. and just shows you, you know, have to continue to improve throughout the year. And, you know, same thing for Mercedes, you know, and Lewis Hamilton, you know, they just hadn't had the pace, you know, throughout the entire season. But, you know, the last a uh, couple of races here in formula one, they've begun to really turn it around and uh, still have second place up for grabs potentially in uh, the driver's championship. And you know, if Lewis continues to finish uh, where he, where he finishes, then um, you know, I think he definitely has a shot to uh, get that second place spot, which, you know, considering where they've been the last two years would definitely be a win and show that, you know, they definitely have still have what it takes that Lewis still has what it takes. So it's a great, uh, building block for next season and um, you know potentially finally Lewis Hamilton returns to victory lane if he doesn't win uh, by the end of this year and definitely have a more legitimate uh, chance to you know compete against uh, McLaren and compete against Red Bull so um, they're working there you, you can start to see the foundation come uh, up and see how they're they're performing so you know I think a second place finish you know they say finished second last week didn't get to keep the result but you can see the uh pace is there now finally for mercedes and we just have to you know if you're a mercedes fan you just have to hope they continue to innovate and that they don't get stagnant uh you know, over the off season and and lose ground to mclaren again and have to uh continue to make up ground and that they'll uh, be uh on more even ground as they begin 2024 for sure uh there so um yeah just a yeah crazy race you know with that beginning start of course magnuson um hu huge crash and uh magnuson uh has a red flag they had a restart there uh so yeah definitely a crazy part there and of course uh dan ricardo can't forget him of course had a really good qualifying effort uh to put himself in position to uh you know compete in this race and ends up getting a fourth place finish and uh shows that he still has what it takes still has got something in the tank here um you know with uh alfatori you know at times we've probably said that they're probably one of the worst teams on the grid this year and definitely shows that they've made improvements uh as a team and you know with ricardo there as a really good driver you know he's putting putting in really uh you know veteran elite performances in this uh this car when he's been in so now at the fourth place finish here at this track you know it's definitely a confidence booster for him and definitely for as well for the team that you know they can put together races where you know they expect to compete for points and you know even possibly a podium if things 
uh, go their way with the the type of finishes that they they've had with uh, Ricardo, especially in this race. So, and you know, hopefully that transfers over to uh, Yuki Tsunoda as well. Uh, you know, he hasn't had quite the performances that they probably would have expected him to have. You know, his first couple of years here in uh, F one. So, yeah, definitely a a good uh, race here. You know, even with uh, Verstappen winning, of course, uh, maybe next week or sometime, maybe Verstappen will stop winning. Uh, maybe, maybe he'll not win the inaugural Las Vegas Grand Prix, but I doubt it, but we'll see. So, um, yeah, looking forward to Brazilian Grand Prix this weekend and we'll see if we had a different result there, but, you know, uh, you know, we'll see if, uh, Lewis can, or any, any of these other guys can maybe challenge, uh, Verstappen here. We have to hope for the last, what is it, three races now, right? So Brazil and then they have Vegas and Abu Dhabi that something can change. It's only been one time since, what is, uh, Azerbaijan when Perez was still in the title fight. I think he was leading the championship after Azerbaijan. Uh, the, that there's somebody other than his official lips has won. And that was, of course, that great race by, uh, Carlos Sainz at Singapore. Uh, we'll see what happens. Brazil was a rare, uh, different situation where the Mercedes were up front. Uh, George Russell won his first career Grand Prix there. Um, Lewis Hamilton followed him in second. So we'll see um, if that same kind of performance can happen again this year. But I doubt it. Um, Red Bull, 731 points in the Constructors. Uh, right now, Mercedes leads Ferrari by 22 points. McLaren is up by 20 points on Aston Martin. So that's, I mean, and probably that's their, they've locked up fourth in the Constructors. Um, the battle for last uh, in the um, Constructors Championship, Alexander Albon's continued great performances has uh, Williams in seventh. 12 points ahead of both Alpha Tori and Alpha Romeo. The performance by Daniel Ricardo gets the Alpha Tori team off of the bottom to now eighth. Alpha Romeo now drops back. And then Haas, both uh, Alpha Romeo and Haas drop back to ninth and tenth, respectively, the two uh, customer Ferrari teams. In the driver's standings, uh, Sergio Perez is 20 points ahead of Lewis Hamilton. So uh, I guess, you know, we I thought that after last week at Qatar, uh, or a few weeks ago at Qatar when he crashed, that it was all gone um, for Lewis. But instead, Sergio Perez went and yeeted himself in turn one at, at his home Grand Prix. And now it's right back and open again with three races to go in the the season 20 points it is a gap and then of course there's a sprint as well at brazil uh carlos Sainz and fernando alonso are tied for fourth in the championship right now uh lando norris is three points ahead of charles leclerc george russell is right now what is that 18 points yeah 18 points behind uh lando norris so the all three of those friends they're racing for position Oscar Piastri in his own area and Pierre Gasly three points ahead of Stroll for 10th in the Drivers' Championship. All right, so getting a football, I'll try to keep it brief because 
we're already um i probably went off a bit on some tangents today with uh what we talked about in cup and xfinity and also with formula one uh football is also worth a rant but the 49ers started the year at five and oh they're now five and three they've lost three consecutive games all of them have had a similar feel um purdy is not looked as good he's not played as well um which is a big deal because the quarterback is where everybody goes and looks at i think kyle shanahan's play calling has not exactly been the greatest either you add the injury to the best offensive lineman in the league in trent williams you add debo samuel being hurt and it's become a theme now with the 49ers over debo's time that when he's not on the field the team is not the offense is not as dynamic which is true which is not a shock to anybody but uh they seem to have issues and i saw this i mean i'm gonna say like i saw this on the socials that like they have issues executing when debo isn't out there because of all the windows all the spaces they're able to get the blocking teams they're able to execute to go and get the likes of christian mccaffrey more room which you know christian mccaffrey already is a great player um get brandon Ayuk one-on-ones get george kittle one-on-ones you know like you add that i mean the one thing that we see is that kyle shanahan doesn't trust anybody outside of debo samuel christian Mc- those four guys to throw the ball to which is a problem um the loss of trent williams so for now is not a good thing uh, because they can't block blind side for brock purdy um brock purdy has made some throws that make me think he's jimmy garoppolo which means that my health is you know i've had health issues and i can go and say i blame him on jimmy garoppolo because i've had to watch him play quarterback for the 49ers for the last five six years but to be fair it's my own doing but jimmy garoppolo's quarterback play doesn't help um brock is going through some going through a tough time but i think he's going to get out of it i think the bigger concern is how bad the defense has played and basically richard sherman went out on his podcast and said that the problem is the play calling um steve wilkes looks out of his depth the last three weeks you're getting you're getting worked by pj walker and the cincinnati bengals i mean come on man uh the um the game against minnesota he made he made kirk cousins look like fran tarkington and uh burrow looked like a guy who's what he is which is one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl he didn't need the help uh when you have to when you're not even able to scheme like basic things when you're not able to scheme to stop anything they couldn't they can't it sounds i'm going to go and do the jim mora you know that second game second half of that game uh we couldn't do diddly poo offensively we couldn't make a first down we couldn't run the ball we didn't try to run the ball we couldn't tackle we couldn't (laughs) we sucked we stunk playoffs talking about playoffs playoffs i just want to win a game you know so it's literally steve (laughs) i mean i'm i don't have it in me i don't have the high voice and then i just drank off on that but um i appreciate it but the fact is steve wilkes i get now why he didn't get picked to be the carolina panthers coach now granted frank reich is not doing much of anything this year they're basically building it from the bottom up 
Um, they only just won their first game yesterday, and it was surprising that they beat the Houston Texans of all teams. Um, I guess he wanted to prove that he made the right choice with the, um, I'm forgetting the guy's name now, but over CJ Stroud, but he hasn't played well most of the year. He finally puts together an okay game uh, to get his first win. Um, but Stroud has been better. He did have a bad game yesterday, but in terms of Brock, it's similar to Brock Purdy. You know, he's a, he's only played 13 games in his career. So, you know, for the first, his first adversity he really has faced, other than that injury he suffered in the NFC Championship game. Um, but I think he'll be all right. I think the with the bye week, they'll be okay. Um, but the defense has to change. The play calling has to change. You have Nicholas John Bosa on the edge. You have highly paid defensive linemen there. You have the best middle linebacker duo in the league. You have a secondary that performs best in zone coverage, but you're playing man coverage. Um, the tackling is atrocious. So, I mean, that's just fundamentals. Get back to basics. Play the game the way you need to play the game, and, and things will turn around. They get to play Seattle two out of the next three weeks off their bye, so they could just they could swap their position around with Seattle in division. Uh, looks like it's probably they're going to end up having to go through Philly again. Uh, they're going to have to go to Philly to play them here in the next few weeks, and they're probably going to have to go through Philly in an NFC Championship game as well if things hold um, because of this recent uh, three-game losing streak because I don't see Philly. They've played bad virtually every single game this year, but they're 7-1. and one. Uh, You can't fade that. So the Niners have problems on defense. They may be making moves on the trade deadline here tomorrow. Uh, I think Jacksonville also is going to be looking. Um, their division is more; it's more wide open for them. But the Niners to win and possibly compete for a Super Bowl, they need to make some moves. The same issues that they've had exist now with secondary, with edge, with uh, or with the defensive line and with the offensive line. Um, so solidify that, make some moves, get some players in. Get back to basics and coach. Put the scheme that has worked for the last few years with uh, Bob Sala and D'Amico Ryans into play and tell Steve Wilkes you're going to have to call this defense, and if you don't want to do that, we will uh, let you go, and we have somebody here in-house that will go and call this defense, which is what they should If that's the case, that's what they should do. Um, and it's not a thing about being a black coach or anything it's just he's bad at what he does um because the last three weeks he doesn't even look like he's in uh he knows what he's doing the first five weeks it seemed like uh it was just plug and play and i think that's what it was once he started implementing some of his schemes it didn't work but we will see five and three going into the bye plenty of season left um they've had it's been part of the part and parcel for the 49ers to have a period where they struggle or don't look great. And then they seem to um, get together and, and work as a team and, and start playing really, really well. So personally, as a 49er fan, that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, my fantasy teams, my dynasty team is doing really well this week, which tells you all you need to know. And our team's in the, been in the basement all year, um, largely because 
I had Joe Burrow and and Trevor Lawrence, so um, and they both played well. And there, in terms of my league, Vic is having a great year because CM Punk is coming back, and it proves pos- it's proved positive again. Um, destroyed destroyed me uh, this week. In terms of the other matchups, I'm going to check them out a little bit more in a moment. But um, in my other league, I'm leading that one, so it's nice. I just want to keep on going with that. So uh, one league I'm leading in the mix and two uh and then uh in one it doesn't really matter to me so that's what's going on in fantasy uh, a lot with all these bye weeks going on a lot of moves to be made trying to figure out trade partners or people that might be make sense to make moves i think there's a lot of teams in contention so i don't think a bunch of us are really trying to trade within each other uh so there's opportunities there though but um your Jaguars are doing work, Josh. And what are uh, what are some of the things uh, your team or, or Trent Balky is eyeing up to go and solidify a playoff run, possibly get yourself into a two or a three seed, which would give you a little bit more favorable. I mean, if you get into a two or a three seed, I think you avoid Kansas City um, at least in the second round. Uh, Definitely, if you get a two seed and you were to win, go and win a couple of games, you'd avoid Kansas City. I think that's really what the aim is. Um, I mean, even though Kansas City, I'm not sure who's the best record right now. We'll go and check it out. But what are you uh, looking at for for your uh, Jaguars? Yeah, I mean, I think trade-wise deadline here coming up Tuesday afternoon, uh, I think the Jaguars possibly pass rush. They need help there. Um, it's gotten better, of course, but uh, you know it's always something that they need. They need that one piece to make you know turn themselves into a, a game changer. Uh, I mean, they already are a very solid defense, but um, you know they still need that one guy to kind of take them to the next level. Um, and they were looking at possibly Josh Uche uh, from the Patriots or Daniil Hunter on the uh, Vikings. Of course, the Vikings last couple of weeks seem to have turned it around, but then. Uh, Yesterday, of course, the Vikings uh, quarterback Kirk Cousins out for the year at the uh, blown Achilles. So um, that does change the trajectory of the season for uh, the Vikings and uh, their ceilings. So and they've already got a lot of players injured as well. Uh, so possibly maybe they uh, give up on the year uh, part way with players that no longer are in their future. And uh, Hunter may be one of those guys. Uche, I think, is a lot more uh closer to what they need that doesn't uh change their scheme or change their philosophy on defense uh of course uh Trayvon Walker uh great at the stopping the run not so uh good at pa- you know pass rush uh Uche is somebody who's good at pass rush but wouldn't take away from their uh their ability to stop the run so I lean towards seeing that trade happen more than the uh Daniel Hunter uh, possibly coming here, but you know, not going to hate either if uh, you know move if they go for one or the other. So we'll see. Uh, but you know, as far as the game Sunday, of course, Jacksonville moves six and twos. We I mentioned at the top of the show, um, the Jaguars scores throttled the Steelers twenty to ten. Uh, you know, they just really needed to be able to have a complete game. They haven't had it yet. Uh, they had a touchdown in the third quarter to. Uh, Travis Etienne, uh, 50-yard bomb from Trevor Lawrence there. So Etienne showing his uh, receiver abilities there on the outside, uh, going out and make that catch and uh, taking it to the house. Uh, 
the Steelers were injured, though, of course. Uh, they injured uh, they injured their quarterback there uh, on uh, the third quarter or at, at the end of the second half, and he broke his or injured his ribs. So, uh, yeah, just uh, Kenny Pickett there, just not a, a, you know, great quarterback to start with, and he got injured, and Trubisky had to come out, and then he threw a couple of picks there. So uh, just a... Uh, yeah, just stability for the Jaguars to be able to stop the Steelers uh, throughout the game. They took away their running game. Um, George Pickens had a comment before the game saying that the Jaguars are a hope defense, which I'm not really sure what he meant by that. And, you know, we would have hoped to have seen that Pickens and the Steelers could have put up a better effort because they went out and didn't really do anything all day. Um, and, of course, the afterwards, you know, Andrew Wingard uh, had said, and uh, Rayshon Jenkins were like, well, be better, George, <laughs> at being able to produce uh, a good game. So, uh, of course, 6-2 and two record. And, yeah, Andrew Ringard had one of the picks there and went into the end zone and picked up one of the terrible towels and waved it around as he came out of the end zone. So, uh, yeah, that's probably, like, one of the funniest things I've seen in a long time. And I, I chuckle every time I see that, that post there or that video there. And it just makes me glad to see that of course uh, against the uh pittsburgh steelers they're you know one of definitely one of the legacy teams in the nfl that has a huge following that uh gets very annoying um you know and just uh seeing seeing all those uh you know steelers fans online lose it and everything and you know the team blaming the refs saying that the refs wanted the jaguars to win which doesn't make sense to me because you know steelers are a legacy team like i said in the jaguars small market team that you know that they seem to not get in uh, a whole lot of love on uh, the media, on national media side. So um, just a, a good win there moves them to six and two. They're on a roll five, uh, five wins in a row uh, going into the bye week. So, uh, you know, looking forward to seeing how they come out of the bye week, how they match up, you know, if they make any trades or anything like that, and how they match up with uh, the 49ers, of course, reeling after starting out on a 5-0 five, five win streak. So um, it's going to be an interesting matchup. Kind of go back to that 2017 matchup with the 49ers going up against uh, in San Francisco against the 49ers at the beginning of the Jamie Garoppolo era, and that was when um, they – really kind of exposed some of the weaknesses of the Jaguars defense back then and you know Blake Bortles threw a pick six in that game so um you know now the 49ers come over to uh Jacksonville and we'll see now here um how you know what time there are they going to play um if they play in the 1 p.m time slot or if uh, uh they shift this game to a later time slot I've heard that um Fox would like this game to stay as their America's game of the week or something like that. So it's either going to be a one or four uh, PM game, hopefully a 1 PM game to throw off the body clock of the, uh, the 49ers there. So um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, should be a good matchup either way though. Uh, but you know, the uh, Jaguars uh, on a roll here. Um, now they get the bye week and chance to rest up. They still got some inconsistency on offense. I think a lot of that has to do with, uh, Zay Jones just uh, not being on the field uh, very much this year due to knee injuries. So you know, hopefully he gets healthy here in the bye week and they work, can work him back into the lineup and uh, help open up opportunities for uh, Calvin Ridley and for uh, Christian Kirk here. So looking forward to seeing how that works out and uh, and everything. And you know, the Trevor Lawrence continues to um, put up good good stats. Did have a bad interception there in the second quarter. So. 
got to clean that up, but you know, he's still advanced statistics wise. Jimmy Garoppolo here hurt once again, uh, on Monday night football, but still, you know, proving that, you know, he's good on, in uh, very key situations when they need him to, to be good. So, uh, went out there and had a good game uh, against the Steelers. So, um, yeah, really happy about that. Uh, fantasy wise, uh, honestly had a good game fantasy wise, but just came up short once again. So, We'll see how that goes uh, next week. Probably going to have to figure out my quarterback situation because I have both Brock Purdy uh, and Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. So uh, I'm going to have to figure out a way to f- uh, fix my roster here for the coming week uh, and and uh, sign sign somebody off the street. So we'll have to figure that part out there. But um, probably would have lost if I started Mark Andrews and kept Garrett Wilson probably would have lost by like 0.7 or something. So that's unfortunate, but whatever. So, um, yeah, just, uh, uh, interesting, you know, time and fantasy and, you know, gotta get, go and figure that one out. So, yeah, we'll see, but, um, you know, glad to, you know, have a winning football team though on, on the pro side, of course, uh, haven't seen this many wins this early in the season yet, you know, 2017, they were still, win loss win loss until november and then last year they didn't have a winning record until the final game of the year so to be this far up uh over 500 uh at this point of the season haven't seen that yet as a fan of the jaguars in my life uh my lifetime so uh you know glad to glad to be here for it and you know people been saying you know the jaguars finally get good watch out because uh all the fans on twitter are going to be so annoying so i'm i'm, I'm here for it <laughs> And you guys have had a rough time for many years. So the fact that you have that, you know, box office quarterback and you have um, the you're going on a run here in a very difficult AFC. Um, I pro and probably when you consider the divisions here, them pro them, the Jacksonville Jaguars have an advantageous situation uh, minus you know, Houston, which is an up and coming team. So they're very young. Um, Tennessee is, we don't really know what they are. And then um, you also look at uh, the, I'm just going to switch that just for a second. I was looking at it out of curiosity right now. You'd be the third C Jacksonville right behind Miami and uh, Kermit the Frog would be first. And Lamar Jackson is uh, the Ravens fourth. Bills, Steelers, and Browns would be in the playoffs. Niners fall down with the third conse- three consecutive losses from, I think, the one seed or two seed or whatever to um, to the uh, sixth seed, sixth seed with um, ahead of the Vikings. Of course, that's going to change. Uh, the Saints uh, trending up, which is interesting. I think the Saints are probably going to end up taking going and overtaking the Atlanta Falcons because they're they're disaster um they're only going to have one representative in that div- that's a one team division there the nfc north is looking like a one team division even with how uh, even though it's somewhat close still it's only um 12 point game but jimmy garoppolo is just getting destroyed now uh the shithawks are going up but you know we'll see what they're doing because they have a really difficult schedule coming up uh Miami and Kansas City there they have their collision course in Frankfurt Germany of all places so it'll see how that game goes off uh there is the box office game for Miami against Philly and they 
shit the bed. So um, the bills are trending up. So that's someone to look at for sure. Uh, what is it? I was yeah, the Colts. Yeah, the Colts are are a disaster area too. So who cares? Um, that's who I was trying to figure out who the other team was uh, in the division. So there's that. You go, and I'm gonna shorten this. Make this smaller. No, oh, I didn't want to do that. All right, and next, yeah. Uh, we'll get into the MotoGP and Moto2 in Thailand to start our GSP roundup. Uh, Thailand Grand Prix. Jorge Martin gets the victory in a uh, photo finish over Peko Bagnaya. What is this? Every game, every freaking play, there's a sack. I think he's been hit every single play for the last six plays or eight plays. I mean, this is insane. Uh, Jorge Martin over Peko Bagnaya and Brad Binder, Marco Bisecchi, Fabio Quattararo, Mark Marquez, your top six, uh, the points. And then I just have to go back uh, super or sprint race. Jorge Martin won that one uh, over Brad Binder, Luca Marini. Uh, Bagnaya was seventh. The standings uh, for the the standings for MotoGP. Peko Bagnaya is uh, thirteen or four, yeah, thirteen points ahead of Jorge Martin right now in the World Championship. Isaki third, Binder fourth, Espargaro four points ahead of Johan Zarco uh, for fifth, and Fabio Quartararo with his recent uh, run of success has gotten himself back into the top 10 in points a point ahead of jack miller um mark marquez right now is 14th in points um is 12 behind what's possibly going to be his replacement at repsol honda uh they may end up swapping rides fabio dg antonio uh, so that's something we'll look at here as we get closer to the end of the season for them in terms of Moto2, uh, Philippe Aldeguer gets the win over Pedro Acosta. Somikant Chantra in his home Grand Prix finishes third. Tony Arbolino, Ayagura, uh, Ramirez, Albert Arenas, Armani Ramirez uh, racing for OnlyFans American Racing. That's, uh, that's just interesting. Uh, Arenas, Lopez, Guevara, and Gonzalez. Around uh, out the top 10. Uh, Sam Lowe's is 14th. Darren Binder actually got a point. And uh, yeah, the other um, only fans, American Racing rider finish, but didn't score a point. Uh, Joe Roberts crashed. It looks like he crashed with uh, the Japanese rider Hada uh, two laps into the race. And then uh, Sura for the forward racing team didn't even finish the first lap of the race. So. There's that, the standings uh, for the Moto2 World Championship uh, heading into their next round. Acosta is 63 points out of Arbolino. Um, so we're getting close to that point where Acosta is going to be the world champion there in both uh, Moto3 and Moto2. Jake Dixon is 13 points out of Aaron Kinnett. Chantra, um is ahead uh, what is it by six and a half points of over Aldeguer and he is uh what is it nine and six fifteen and a half points behind Aaron Kinnett there so Joe Roberts 14th in points 
nine and a half points behind Sam Lowe's. So, I mean, I right now to be he's chances of him really getting to the top 10 are slim, but he could possibly get, as I've said multiple times over, I think 12th is his best case scenario. Uh, the supercars are at Surfer's Paradise this past weekend, and I said something rare happened relative to this season, and Ford's winning both races, the Boost Mobile Gold Coast 500, the uh, race, the race one, um, or top 10 sure, race 26, the results, you know, I was right. Cam Waters won race one for, for the uh, supercars. Now they're, this is really weird. Um, 85 laps, Repco. Uh, I don't know why it's saying event results. I don't want event results. I just want the race goddamn race results um one step at a time title chase Arabish shrugs this is not i mean i guess that's what i get for trying to do it on this i i i thought the moto gp website was bad but i guess now i'm i'm starting to see that this website is also not good um season results they don't allow you uh, just clicks onto the driver. They don't even, once you get into the, you have to go and dig for the freaking results. Like, really? Uh, what a pain in the ass. Uh, boy, that's not good for me. Uh, trying to go through all of this shit. You got your Repco Supercars. Oh, finally. For fuck's sake, we finally got it. Um, Cam Waters gets the win over Shane Van Gisberg and David Reynolds. Uh, Thomas Randall makes it three Fords in the top four. Points leader Brody Kostecki finished fifth. Uh, Chaz Moster uh, last week or during the weekend announced an extension with Walkinshaw and Dreddy United. So um, congratulations to him. Big get or big uh, thing to keep him in the Ford fold because he is one of the most talented drivers on the grid. In race 26, David Reynolds gets the win for Penrite Racing, giving a Ford, giving Ford a sweep of the weekend. Brody Kostecki second, Cam Waters, and Matthew Payne gives Penrite two out of the top four drivers, and Ford again three out of the top four spots. Shane Van Gisbergen finishes fifth. The driver standings right now: Brody Kostecki leads the championship by one, three. 131 points over Shane Van Gisbergen. Will Brown and his future teammate Brock Feeney uh, separated by nine points for third. Chaz Mostert is in fifth. Cam Waters with his win, second win of the year, moves within a point of Andre Heimgartner for sixth. And then you have David Reynolds with his win and pole from this weekend, um, moves himself up to 12th in points. Uh, about 80 points out or so of the top 10. All right. Then the World Superbike finale at at uh, Hereth. You have um, Alvaro Bautista, of course, locks up the championship. Uh, last uh, race for Toprak Raskat Lioku. 
uh, as a Yamaha rider in the last race for Johnny Ray as a Kawasaki rider, which, you know, riding for the Kawasaki factory team basically changed his life because he became a multi-time world champion in the process. Um, we'll see how next year goes with Johnny Ray going to Yamaha, Toprak Rascat, Lyoku going to BMW, and will anybody have an answer for Alvaro Bautista, now a two-time world champion, won all three races during the weekend, a race one over Bautista over Rascaglioca and Andrea Locatelli, race two, Bautista over Rascaglioca and Dominic, Dominic Argeter, and then uh, Argeter was second in the sprint race, and Johnny Ray was third in the sprint race. Um, trying to get into the actual results of the race, Garrett Gerloff had uh, a rough her first race, finishing 14th. The then in race two, uh, going to that, the results Garrett Gerloff finished ninth in race two. Then you had the Super Pole race, which is, I mean, I'm going backwards because the Super Pole race uh, isn't as uh, Gerloff finished ninth in that. So bad first uh, race. I mean, he scored points in all three rounds there. Uh, so, but still. I don't think what he wanted out of the weekend. Garrett Gerloff finishes the season uh, 12th in points, five points out of uh, finishing in the top 10. There was a tie between Javi Vieje and Alex Lowe's at 149 points. So we'll see what happens next year. Uh, for Garrett Gerloff, he'll continue with the BMW uh, satellite team. Um, see if Toprak Raskalioku moving over to BMW will help them. Um, Lowe's or Gerloff was the best finishing BMW rider so credit to him a lot of changes going on in World Superbike so we'll see if there's um, more compelling action whatever uh, as we go along for next year um, Bautista seemed to be like fish lips the NHRA at Las Vegas the results there leading into the final race of the season the in the top fuel category, Mike Salinas gets the win over Justin Ashley. Um, Salinas from the number one spot beat Rob Passy, Tony Schumacher, Josh Hart. I mentioned Ashley, Justin Ashley. Justin Ashley came from the number six spot, beat Dan Mercier, Austin Proc, and Steve Torrance on his way to the final. In in funny car, Robert Height got the victory. Over Bob Tasca the third. Robert Height started in the number one spot. Jeff Deal Redlit against him in the first round. Alexis he beats Alexis Joria, Blake Alexander, and then um hey uh Tasca started second, beats Steve Densham. Um Cruz Venturon, I think uh, had a mechanical, then beats Matt Hagen in the semifinals, big there in terms of the points, but lost to Robert Height in the final. Pro Stock Car Enders gets the victory over Greg Anderson. The rivalry has been going on for years. Anderson came out from the number eight spot, beat Aaron Stanfield, Kyle Koretsky, Matt Hartford on his way to the final. Uh, she went and started second, beats Mason McGahey, Troy Coughlin Jr., who's a teammate right now for the last couple of races. Or no, but Troy Coughlin Jr., who is a regular teammate, and then beats Jed Coughlin Jr. in the semifinals. Uh, 
interesting how his car had issues in the semifinals after being like you know being really good had qualified 11th had a great run in the first round then um had a really tight race against christian quadra in the second so that was that there uh pro stock motorcycle uh gage herrera gets another victory over eddie craywick um gage herrera won from the number one spot angie smith comes back from her injuries from a few races ago after a big crash um qualifies but doesn't run um essentially given a single there to Herrera in first round. Mark Ingwersen, Jerry Savoy um, making an appearance. And then, you know, said Craywick from the number two spot beat Karen Stouffer, who didn't make a run either. Steve Johnson, Gianna Evaristo in the semifinals. And, uh, yeah, so that's the results there for NHRA uh you know, NHRA at Nevada Nationals um, have to go through. And so, yeah, that was E3-2. Elimination, Eliminator round two. I thought there. I don't know if Tony, it doesn't look like Tony raced uh, this past weekend for, or no, no, he did and lost in the first round. Starting line advantage, but Parker has lead by 200 feet and takes the win. Um, Better reaction time, better 60 foot, but then his car fell off uh, there at the end. So early exit for him in in his fight to possibly win the top alcohol dragster national championship. Uh, It's not looking too good Um, in uh, right now has, uh, was it 64 75 points 75 point gap between uh, himself and Julie Natis who is the national points leader he's pretty solidly in second Sean Cowie and Matthew Cummings uh, point separates those two Joey Severance and Jackie Frick are tied for fifth in the championship so Tony Stewart looks like he's going to fall short um, of a national championship uh, here in his first year as a top alcohol dragster, full-time competitor. Get into the uh, Camping World Drag Racing Series in top fuel, heading to Pomona with points and a half. Uh, Steve Torrance leads Doug Coletta by 15. Leah Pruitt's 34 points behind in third. Salinas, minus 76. Justin Ashley, minus 82. So I think those are the guys and girls that um, have a chance there, anybody within 100 points. I guess anybody within 150, but I really doubt that Antron Brown is going to put up a national event record this weekend or in a couple weeks' time. Matt Hagen in a three-way title fight between with a 15-point lead on Bob Pasca and then a 17-point lead for Robert Height over Robert Height. So that's a three-way battle there. Three different manufacturers, Dodge, Ford, and Chevy. Um, Ron Caps, 139 points behind, or else they could have had all four manufacturers involved in Funny Car there. And then Eric Enders, uh, barring a DNQ, uh, I think is uh, going to win another championship. And Pro Stock, Greg Anderson's going to need a lot of help um, to go and, and win the win the championship. And then Gage Herrera, same thing. Uh, 
more or less has got it won um, over his teammate Eric Kwiwik. So we'll see what happens there in a few weeks' time at Vegas. Central European Rally um, coming up next is uh, Cali Rovampera gets uh, the win and clinches his second World Rally Championship. Or no, he finished second, wins the World Rally uh, Championship for a second year in a row. Um, Thierry Neuville gets the gets the victory. Trying to go and scroll through, yeah. So Neuville wins by fifty seven point six seconds um, in his Hyundai over Rovampera, and Atanek finishes third and Ford. So all three manufacturers in Rally One get represented. Sebastian Ogier fourth. Takamoto Katsuda for Toyota gives three Toyotas in the top five. Timu Sunanen for Hyundai, Gregoire Munster for Ford, Formo for the leading Rally 2, or RC2, Ford Fiesta Mark II, non-points. Siamin uh, uh, wins WR, Rally, WRC2, and then yeah, Pierre-Louis Loubet rounds out the top 10. Efren Evans leads Neuville by seven points. Atanek uh, in fourth, and then Ogier is in fifth. Toyota's won the constructors in uh, the World Rally Championship. Uh, the uh, season finale for uh, WEC coming up this coming weekend in Bahrain. Race week full of event preview. Okay. LMP2, last race for LMP2 as a full-time category um, in the class, and the last race for the GT uh, GTE category, which was once GT2, um, will go away after this weekend. It's a rookie test uh, because of the LMGT3. The GT3 category will now be in the World Endurance Championship. So that'll be uh, interesting to see how that all goes. Trying to get get something. Wanted to see the entry list. Uh, practical infos. Poster event map. Uh-huh. That's not what I wanted. About this race. Rack. Yeah, there you go. Then um, they don't do it in. So yeah, I'll go in uh, hypercar. You have the Cadillac number two, Floyd Van Wall number four, Porsche Penske Motorsports, their two cars, the two Toyotas, the Hertz Team Jota 38, both two Ferraris, both Peugeots, and then the Proton Competition uh, Porsche. A lot of great names, familiar names across the hypercar category. Um, LMP2 in their final round uh, says, yeah, 11. 11, yeah, 11 cars in LMP2, 12 in um, Hypercar, and then in GTM, 13 uh, drivers there. The standings, yeah, the classification. Right now, uh, Brendan Hartley and Rio Hirakawa and Sebastian Buemi, I think they drive the 8 car. Yeah, they are leading... Over their teammates in the seven car, Jorge Maria Lopez, Kamui Kobayashi, and Mike Conway uh, for the World Endurance uh, Drivers Championship. So we'll see there the Ferrari of Paraguidi, Antonio Giovinazzi, and James Collado, the winners of the 
24 Hours of Le Mans are third over their teammates, Fuko, Molina, and Nicholas Nielsen, uh, two teams dominant. The Cadillac Ganassi team of Alex Lynn, Earl Bamba, and Richard Westbrook are fifth. Lauder Estray and Lawrence Van Dor sixth. Their teammates are with Dane Cameron, Mackwick, and Christensen seventh. First Peugeot and some of the other guys there. So that's the points in Drivers Championship. Manufacturers is Toyota, 40 points ahead of Ferrari. World Cup for hypercar teams. Jota has a head start. Um, endurance trophy for LMP2. It's a 33-point lead for Louis Deltraz, Robert Kubica, and Rui Andrade over Albert Costa, Fabio Scheer, and Jacob Schmichowski, the winners of the 24 Hours of Le Mans, uh, the Inter-Europol team. Uh, DMWRT 41 over Inter Europol. Then the United Auto Sports 22 uh, is in third. And GTM drivers, Corvette Racing locked it up a while back. Ben Keating, Nikki Katzberg, Nicholas Verone. Uh, Nicholas Verone will be racing one of the Corvettes in LMGT3 next year uh, in uh, the States. And then in AM, of course, Corvette Racing teams beats are right now uh are the champion of course good battle uh iron dames af corsa number 54 dempsey proton racing and ort um the aston martin the oman racing um aston martin separated 14 points separate those four teams so we'll see what happens in that the uh rookie test will have uh interesting uh interesting drivers in uh, the field sampling some for the first time sampling uh hypercar equipment uh some for because of winning in other categories and some because they're young of course then you have five lmp2 cars which will be there uh for the last time and then four gt am cars um racing in uh or, or practicing at uh, the Bahrain rookie Tesla mention some information on that uh, more next week. The last thing I wanted to talk about, and it'll lead into our um, our uh, start of our discussion for the um, NASCAR triple header at Phoenix, was Eric Almirola's announcement, which uh, he was slow rolling for a while. Josh, it's been talk for the last couple of years that Eric Almirola he may retire, he may not. Uh, he's decided that, well, not he's not going to retire, but he's not going to race for Stuart Haas Racing. And then Smithfield also announced that they're going to leave the sport, which has been the thing for a while. Everybody has known that if Almirola quit, they're connected to him or they're leaving NASCAR in general. But it sounds like Eric Almirola is looking at other options. Um, he has had, he had one year at Junior Motorsports and Xfinity, um, with you know middling he was in the top five points but he wasn't really a factor uh week to week in the truck series he finished second in points uh one year uh trying to i don't know if he lost to solder i don't remember who he lost to that year but we'll see what almero i mean what year what did you think about it when he announced when you heard the announcement i mean to me i've been looking for almirola to leave for a while 
if Smithfield is willing to sponsor mediocrity, mediocrity, but they don't want to take a chance on someone like Ryan Priest or um, someone else, I think it, what kind of sponsor are they really? Um, but in terms of Stuart Haas Racing as a whole, it's who's going to sponsor them? What's going to happen? Who's Are they going to keep Blickensdurfer? Personally, I don't think he's that good. Um he put together i guess they put together a good car last weekend but um are they going to make changes there or what kind of changes are coming to the table because Stuart haas has been bad um yesterday was one of their best performances of the year um relative and you're talking about race 35 it took 35 weeks to get that um they've been generally across the board terrible maybe the worst big team in the sport so who comes in to replace him? I mean, there's a lot. You could take it whatever way you want to take it there. Um, it seems like they're saying, a lot of people are saying Gagson's going to be it, but I have a hard time believing that Gagson's the answer, no matter what paycheck he, amount of money he brings to the table. Yeah, I mean, this is an interesting one. And the announcement that on this past weekend that Eric Almirola was going to uh, step away from the 10 car and retire from full-time racing and uh, scale back to a part-time deal. You know, it's kind of been interesting. His uh, career arc the last couple of years, you know, we thought he was going to retire for sure uh, after last year, but then he decided to come back for 2023. Uh, and then, you know, now uh, has decided to step away full-time essentially and even then in his announcement he didn't out, outright say that uh he was um gonna uh retire he it the wording in his own in his own announcement just looked uh really odd or read read off uh really odd so it you know it seems like yeah he wants to uh do this part-time uh just when he whenever he wants to still wants to race but you know he needs to spend time at home uh with the uh, family and everything so understandable of course but um and possibly do this in xfinity or part-time truck ride or something and um so um yeah it's gonna be interesting to see who replaces him there in that 10 car uh obviously it seems like noah gregson is one of the leading candidates but which i mean it i guess that's fine but uh who's who's the sponsor and uh everything and how in the world are they going to pay for uh all these rides, you know, with uh, Haas paying for the 41 mostly, the 14 doesn't have full-time sponsorship. Uh, the four lost Bush to Ross Chastain. Mobile maybe on the out outside looking in, so or on the outside now possibly from what I've heard uh, uh, online, what I've seen. So uh, and then the 10, the uh, Smithfield is uh, leaving. They decide they don't want to be or tied to NASCAR anymore. They're, I guess they were just sponsoring Eric Almirola, and now they're out on the sport, and now that car needs a sponsor now. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out uh, and who replaces him. And, uh, I mean, obviously, Gene Haas has the F1 team, and he's sponsoring the 41. He can't have that much money, right? So uh, we'll see uh, who fills in here. Uh, and everything and i mean the 14 has some sponsorship but it's definitely you know a hodgepodge of uh sponsors that he has on there so there's no one full-time sponsor that he really has that you can really identify him with, uh there with except for uh, mahindra so um yeah it's a gonna be an interesting situation there uh for 
the Stuart Haas, and they insist they're going to stay full time uh, with four four cars. So uh, we'll see we'll see how this plays out. But you know, definitely you know from where they were a couple of years ago, uh, they definitely have taken uh, a downhill uh, descent. Uh, you know, into irrelevance. You know, after Kevin Harvick and uh, the years that he's he's been there, uh, they haven't been able to sustain uh, the team beyond him uh, there for whatever reason. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, this is definitely going to be an interesting development. You know, for the ten car. You know, don't know where El- Eric Almirola is going to go uh, for his part time job. We'll see where he goes. But you know, now he gets to kind of scale back and just race whenever it's more convenient to him so um yeah just a weirdly timed announcement of course with uh i mean i think we all kind of expected that he was not going to return or um that he was going to make a big change to his career uh but just the the way that that announcement from his uh, pr team was very worded very strangely and everything so and now only one race left you know it's very very hard to make you know like these things need to be announced you know at the end of the summer beginning of september um you know when you have time to put together deals now with uh i mean there's still you know the end of the year and everything but uh you know now it's a very critical time to be able to find a driver and uh put together sponsorship for you know the rest of the season uh for next year so you will see who fl- uh, fills in this seat full time uh finnans are going to Graxon or uh, anybody else but yeah that was just a um interesting announcement of course now uh you know going back to martinsville real quick uh, finished second and honestly had a ch- chance to win that game or that that race uh on sunday so um interesting timing there with uh how it performed and uh the announcement you know possibly could have got uh capped that off with the win uh of course but ryan blaine won that so yeah just uh we'll see how that announcement turns out here you know next couple weeks probably yeah we'll see what happens with that i mean uh you have uh briscoe with mahindra a high point as his two key main sponsors, High Point came with him uh, to the Cup Series, and then Mahindra has become a, a primary sponsor in large part because it's a con- combined deal having Tony with the funny commercials they do together uh, as the two major sponsors. I mean, the major sponsors, Mahindra, and then High Point, you have a bunch of sponsors that have been there over the years with the 14 car continuing um the four car had had uh bush but that's you mentioned it of course going to chastain hunt brothers pizza which has been a personal sponsor for harvick a mobile one which has been with Stuart Haas racing on and off for many years um since uh 2011 so we'll see there and then after that i'm trying to think gear wrench was there um, there are a bunch of sponsors Harvick had on his car. The 41 has had um, United Rentals. That's a personal uh, relationship for Priest. And then um, other than that, it's been Haas's money, uh, which has been the case for basically their entire, that entire team's existence. And then the 10 car has been Smithfield. So there's no sponsor there. So whoever's coming to the table to drive that car is going to have to probably bring a bag. So then does that mean Riley Herbst gets a call, gets an opportunity, so that we have another monster car on the racetrack? Does Cole Custer get a move back up into the Cup Series if he somehow goes out there and wins the championship on Saturday? 
Um, you know, I, I mean, I think maybe what they do or they swap Ryan Priest over and they remake, they'll still redo both of those cars. They'll redo the 41 and the 10. They'll put a new number on the car. They'll give, uh, dub, make it the double zero instead of the 10 and Cole Custer will drive that car. And then Ryan Priest will drive the, um, continue to drive the 41. Um, but they might do some swapping of crews or some shit like that. Um, that might be a way to do it. Um, if Gagson is the call, uh, he brings, he has personal sponsorships with some of them, you know, sponsors that are, you know, we know about that aren't great, but they bring money to the table, but it isn't a full sponsorship. I think Wendy's was only like a five or six race sponsor. He had black rifle coffee or whatever, but that's only a few race sponsor. It was a hodgepodge of sponsors. So, and so what does he bring to the table? He didn't do much of anything when he was in the cup series this year, really has never done much of anything in a cup car. Uh, it took a long time for him to do something in an Xfinity car, uh, too. Um, he's made more headlines for his off, off track or post race antics than he has for actually winning. Um, he spit the bit like Denny Hamlin last year in the championship after talking a lot of crap in the Xfinity series and lost to Keebler Gibbs. So we'll see what happens with all that. It's just curious. And since 2018, the drop that Stuart Haas has had has been really bad. But then when you consider Tony Stewart is more busy with drag racing and any number of his other businesses, and Gene Haas is usually nowhere to be found, I think that's kind of what happens with the performance of a team. Then they can blame, you know, rule changes, getting behind. They've taken over where Roush had been for many years, and Roush has basically started to go where the Stewart Haas had been. Uh, they swapped roles there, but who knows? We'll see what happens. Uh, new year, new season coming along in 2024. Maybe new opportunities there. Let's uh, get into the previews here. We'll start with, um, I, yeah, I put the trucks, yeah. So we'll start with the truck series. Um, they have, there's 38 for 36. Going to go and open this soda here. So oh, Sean Hingarani is going to be in the 75 truck. Really? Oh, man. Well, he's a he's gonna cause a caution, um, and I hate to say it because he's ha he's a half brown guy. Um, yeah, so, uh, but he he's an idiot. Um, the championship for Corey Heim, who's been the dominant figure in the truck series this year. Carson Osovar, who's had a career season, a career changing season. Former champion Ben Rhodes, who was the beneficiary of Zane Smith's disqualification. And then Grant Enfinger made it in on points. Uh, Corey Heim and Carson Ozevar won in the round of eight to move into uh, to advance. And you had 38 for 36. Jesse Love will be, he's going to start, he's going to be driving the two car for RCR next year, but he's still contracted to Toyota at least for a few more days. So he's going to be driving for Tricon. I uh, got some other K90 cut in the 02, Sensor Dave 04. Um, Dean Thomas announced an extension last week. Marco Andretti will be back in the 7 truck with Spire and Gainbridge. Uh, I'll go through some of these other ones. Uh, Nick Leitz will be in the 20 truck. Christian Rosen, 22. 
from Stephen Parsons in Iraqi War 25. Um, and Daniel Dye, Lawless Allen, Jake Drew, 61 truck, Connor Jones, 66, two guys that have made their name by uh, running over people, and then Hingarani as well. Uh, so that's a great combination there. Derek Krause will be in a second Spire truck. So some of these guys are going to have to qualify on time. Uh, but let's see who picked first. Josh, you picked first last week, so. I will pick first. Um, I, I honestly, Corey Heim has had I don't know how many weeks to prepare for this. Uh, his or his team and whatever, and he's been the best truck and best driver and best team for them a good amount of this season. Uh, I see him going out and closing the deal. Uh, I don't see an, somebody outside of the final four winning. I see somebody in the final four winning, meaning Corey Heim gets the victory and wins the Truck Series championship. Um, the uh, wild card pick for me in this race at uh, Phoenix is going to be. I had an idea. I, did have an idea in my head of who I was going to pick as a wild card, but uh, you know what? I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Bailey Curry. I'll go with Bailey Curry as my wild card. I don't think that was my initial choice, but that's what I'm going to go with. Uh, Bailey Curry as my wild card. The order uh, championship four order will be Corey Heim, Carson Hosevar, and. A grain in finger and Ben Rhodes in that order. Um, what what do you say, Josh, in terms of uh, your pick for the race win? Um, and I guess if it's going to be one of the championship drivers or not, and uh, who's your wild card, and then the order of the final four. Yeah, starting out with the the race win, who I will also say is the championship win. Uh, I'm going to say. I mean, you said Corey Heim. Well, I go with uh, Carson Hosevar winning the final race and winning the championship. I um, think he's um, got a little bit better pace right now than uh, Corey Heim does, but uh, it's going to be an interesting and you know final race here this season. Um, the wild card that I'll go with uh, this weekend, um, you know, I'll go with. Uh, let's see here. I'll, I want to go with. Uh, um, you know, I'll, I'll say Jake Garcia here. Uh, this I mean, this uh, weekend he's been had an interesting year. Uh, you know, I think somebody that kind of fell off o- over the course of the year. But you know, Phoenix always a wild track for the end uh, of the year. Uh, so we'll see how uh, how he performs. You know. Uh, as a wild card, if he can get a solid finish to kind of cap off the year here. And the order of the sayings that I'll say, uh, I'll say it's Josevar, Corey Heim, uh, Ben Rhodes, and then Grant Infinger. All right. So um, that's the tr- our truck series picks. We'll move to Xfinity, the uh, championship 41 cars, 38 spots in the xfinity race for this coming weekend uh go through so there's probably there might be some people get withdrawn but uh go and you have uh you have 
right now it lists Sheldon Creed in the two. I don't think that's going to be the case. Stefan Parsons in the four for JD Motorsports, so double duty for him. Dawson Cram driving the 07 for um, SS Greenlight. JJ Alien is 08. Uh, a lot of laughs there. Uh, Barry in his last race for Junior Motorsports. Daniel Hemrick last race in the Xfinity Series as a full-time driver before moving back up to the Cup Series. Um, Krause will be driving the 11 uh, for colleague. Raja Karuth will be attempting to make the race in the Hendrick Motorsports 17. Last time they tried to show up to a race, a uh, car basically was had mechan- multiple mechanical issues and saw Boris said DNQ. Uh, yeah, so yes, John Joey Gase is listed uh, driving for his own team. Chris Hacker, um, that's quite a combination, uh, driving the Emerling Gase vehicles. Um, nobody listed in a 74 for Harmon. Uh, yeah, so there's that. Josh, uh, same same rules apply. Um, what are your uh, choices for uh, this weekend's Xfinity finale? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, for for this, um, I'm going to go with John Hernemichek. Um <clears throat> I think he's been the guy this whole year. Um, you know, go back a couple years ago to the Truck Series had you know had a dominant year in 2021 uh, with uh, Joe, uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports, and probably should have won that uh, Truck Series championship back then. That went to Ben Rhodes, of course, but. Um, you know, he's been the guy this whole year in the 20 uh, car in the Xfinity series. So uh, I think he's going to wrap it up here and get the win and get the title. Um, uh, I'll say that wild card, you know, I'll go with uh, Raja Karuth. Uh, this is a real good opportunity here in Hendrick uh, car, Hendrick equipment to uh, run here in the final race of the year. And Possibly, you know, if you get a good finish, you can and um, show you can hang with uh, the big boys in the Xfinity Series. Uh, you know, you can possibly leverage this into an opportunity, uh, you know, better opportunity here in in uh, the Xfinity Series or even a, be- a better truck ride for sure. So, you know, we'll see how that turns out, but that's a pretty good uh, opportunity there for him. Um, and then the championship order that I'm going to give you here, uh, I'll say that, of course. Uh, John Hunter finishes first, and then we got, uh, I'll say that uh, Justin Algar finishes in second, and then Cole Custer finishes third, and then uh, Samir finishes fourth. Uh, so, you know, even as a you know junior motorsports guy, junior fan, I just think they're still set below uh, John Hunter Nemechek there in, in this. And I think, you know, Phoenix, I think, is going to be a track where that pace is going to matter a whole lot. You know, last year they couldn't get the job done against uh Ty Gibbs, and I think that's still going to be the case. Uh, although, um, you know, I think it'll play out a little bit differently than last year, but I, I do think that it's going to end up being still a Gibbs car here in victory lane at the end of the day in the Xfinity series. All right. I mean, it makes sense with the recent history in general for Joe Gibbs racing at Phoenix International. Um, a lot of drivers that have, for the Gibbs organization, have won there. Oh, over the years in the XNA series. You did say that the pace may not be there for uh, junior motorsports, 
but I am going to disagree. I'm going to go with Justin Allgaier because he's been at this, I don't know how many years in the Xfinity series. He did have a brief sojourn to the Cup Series driving for that terrible H. Scott Motorsports team. Wrecked a lot of equipment along the way, came back to the Xfinity Series and has made a home. I'm going to say that Justin Allgaier um, gets his elusive um, Xfinity Championship. The wild card for me this weekend, uh, I'm going to go with Myatt Snyder because I'm going to hedge with uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, He's not the full-time driver of that car. The 19 car has had its moments this year. Ryan Truex winning a race. Uh, So that I think that's an opportunity. Snyder had a good run uh, last week, or had at times had a decent car going on there. Uh, It's Snyder, Walcard. My order, Allgaier, Custer, John Hunter Nemechek, and then Mayer, I say that similar to what happened to John Hunter Nemechek during his opportunity to win the truck title, like you mentioned, Josh, issues take place this weekend for him in the race, whether it's a mechanical, whether it's a pit stop issue, something um, that happens again, um, and uh, he finishes behind both Allgaier and Custer in that spot um last but not least is the cup series at phoenix for uh their championship 36 for 40 so nobody going home um in that race uh chastain will have world ride express on his one car cindric discount tire um in the home race for discount tire austin dillon with bioethanol harvick in his last race of uh, his cup career will be driving a special bush light scheme uh larson of course as usual castro edge for keselowski and nagu for lajoy three chi for kyle bush napa for clyde smithfield in their last race uh and eric almirola in his last race as a full-time cup competitor uh, fedex for hamlin Blaney will have Menards and Dutch Boy on his car. Mahindra for Chase Briscoe. JJ Ailing Total Point Patriot Mobile. Action Industries for AJ Elmendinger. We still don't know what he's going to be doing for next year. Christopher Busher with Fastenal. Bass Pro Shops for Truex. Ream and DeWalt for Harrison, I mean for Christopher Bell. Harrison Burton will be racing Motocraft Quick Lane. Uh, Joey Logano, Shell Pennzoil, Bubba Wallace in the Columbia Sportswear, 23, Byron with Exalta. Okay, so at least it is in Liberty University um, on the car. Haley in his last race for Colleague will uh, race with Campers in RV. McDowell with Loves and Delo. Todd Gillen with Boot Barn. Ryan Priest with United Rentals. Usual sponsors for Hosevar and Jones Legacy. Tyler Reddick will have a Toyota sponsor, number 45. Richard will have fries and Cheez-Its on his 47. Uh, Bowman Ally, Serial One e-bikes for Ryan Newman, a sponsor that has appeared multiple races this year for Todd Gilland. Monster Energy will be on the 54 for Keebler. Gainbridge on the 77 for Ty Dillon and what will most likely be his last cup race for 
a long time, if not ever. BJ McLeod, the last race for Live Fast Motorsports um, in the Cup Series before they sell their charter to Spire to um, help Trackhouse out and run Zane Smith. And then Daniel Suarez will have uh, Tootsie's Orchid Lounge on his car. I think I hedged who I think is going to win the championship, but I'll just say it. Uh, Ryan Blaney, I think, honestly, has the momentum. It's one of his best racetracks. He just went out and had a dominant car at Martinsville. Um, I think this is his time. Um, and he goes and gets the job done uh, to get a championship for the captain. Uh, so YRB wins race and championship i mean uh when it comes to the this format in all these three series i think the only instance of somebody not winning the race and winning the championship was matt crafton uh, i don't ever remember it ever not going to somebody who won the race otherwise i mean yeah daniel hemrick having to make a last slap last turn pass to win his xfinity championship over gumby uh you know, Cheldon Creed had to make a last restart pass with two laps to go to win his truck championship. Uh, I mean, it's basically, the, I think, I mean, conspiracy theories aside of where, what they do with those vehicles, and they just make it so that those four vehicles are always running a step above. So we'll see with that. I think Blaney wins the race and wins the championship, though. Uh, my wild card is going to be Chase Briscoe, so I'm just going to go full homer um, with my favorite driver there and one a guy that I've been a fan of and rooted for over the years. Um, so Chase Briscoe, wild card, one of his best racetracks, won his one and only cup race of his career there. My order for the championship, Blaney, I'm going to say Larson, uh, Bell, and Byron will be my order for uh, the championship race. You get the last word, Josh. So um, what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, you said Ryan Blaney, and honestly, I was kind of thinking that, but yeah, I'll go a little bit differently here. Um, I think, you know, William Byron here, he's been the best driver, you know, overall this season. And I'm kind of of the belief that the best driver overall, you know, based on points scored should win the championship, kind of like the old style. So um, I'll go with William Byron here. Uh, you know, winning, winning the title, uh, winning the, you know, 24 car, winning the title for the first time since 2001, um, here and, uh, William Byron winning his first career championship. Uh, uh, he was really good here at Phoenix in the spring, obviously, uh, and, and led, uh, a ton of laps, uh, not as much as Kyle Larson, but at the end of the day, he ended up winning the race. So Byron wins. Uh, and I'll say that, uh, my wild card, uh, I'll say, yeah, I'll say that um, I'm gonna go with Alex Bowman's wild card here. He finished top ten here back in the spring. They've fallen quite off a, a bit, but you know, there's one last race here to try and uh, you know get uh, a good finish here to cap off the year. Um, obviously, Hendrick uh, has been really strong here at this track. You know, this is before all the controversies uh, and everything with the Louvers uh, happened. So you know, possible uh, that he can come out here and get a, a top 10 finish and, uh, you know, uh, what ended up being a very poor year for him. So we'll see if he's able to do that. Uh, my points order 
uh, final order. Obviously, Byron winning the race. Uh, I'll say that. Uh, I'll say that Blaney finishes in second uh, to him, and then Larson third, and Chris Bell finishing uh, in fourth place there. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting race on Sunday. We'll see you know, how it plays out. Uh, but you know, it's going to be ho- hopefully it's better than what last year's race ended up being. So. Um, you know, they have a little bit more action there. Uh, so, you know, looking forward, looking forward to seeing it. You know, you mentioned also uh, the winner of the race ended up winning the championship. Uh, I will say though that 2017, the Xfinity Series, remember Cole Custer spanked the field uh, in Homestead, uh, did not win the championship. But he was not el- eligible for that. But uh, William Byron, I think he finished second or third and wrapped it up over i believe elliot sadler back then so that was another instance where the winner didn't win the uh wasn't the championship winner but you know often and i think in the the uh cup series it's always going to be the case that the winner of the race ends up winning the championship i don't think it's going to turn out any differently although um you know it'd be interesting i mean i was hearing some people over here at work talking about the race and you're like, oh, what if they all wreck and um, they're out of the race and everything? Who'd win the championship? That would be an interesting scenario, but definitely think uh, um, that would not happen here. That's definitely not what NASCAR wants to happen. I mean, it's definitely possible, but I don't think it's going to happen. So, um, yeah, I think uh, you know, the winner of the race wins the uh, you know from from the championship four wins the race and then ultimately the title. So it'll be interesting. So, you know, looking forward to seeing who ends up being the title and, you know, if one of us ends up being right. And speaking of being right on predictions, you were right uh, on your predictions exactly in terms of your winner for the Cup Series race and also who made it in on points. I was right on the winner for the Xfinity race, um, but that was the only, and John Hunter Nemechek with his points. Uh, but uh, was wrong with the other driver. Uh, we both were wrong uh, with Hill. Um, wild card for you, Josh, was also Chase Briscoe. He got a top five finish. He was basically the only, the best non-playoff driver that was in the race yesterday. Um, yeah, and then in terms of the Grand Prix, uh, Formula One, Grand Prix of Mexico, uh I had the top two. You had the guy that was probably the that was the star of the show or whatever. You had the driver of the day in Lando Norris. Um, I was close. I didn't pick the right Ferrari, but a Ferrari in third. And then you had Checo, and unfortunately, Checo um, did what he did and took himself out of the race one turn into the Grand Prix there. So as per usual, Josh, you get at least one uh one or one correct you got multiples but you know you got the cup winner and the points uh guy uh exact so as i always say if you're looking to take gambling advice which i definitely um don't advise but you know if you're trying to take info or do something with it um Josh's picks usually seem to be a lot more uh, safer than mine. So um, please uh, bet responsibly. Uh, Josh, uh, let us know what's going on in the world of uh, sim racing and uh, gaming in uh, your segment. Yeah, of course, uh, sim racing uh, on iRacing this past week. You know, I 
really just did a couple of 87 races at Talladega. Um, won the pole for both of them. I don't think I, I don't normally win the pole on super speedways, but I figured something out. So, um, uh, driving wise, it's a fixed series. I didn't do anything setup wise, but I, I don't know. I just figured out a line that worked for me somehow. And you know, the Ford, uh, end up, most people end up on the 87 for, especially for the speedways, take the Chevy cause it's more stable handling wise and it doesn't wear out as quick as the, uh, on downforce, uh, compared to the Ford, but you know, the Ford, uh, has a lot of pace, uh, on, on, uh, Talladega and Daytona and Talladega got the pole two races in a row. So, um, that was interesting, although I didn't win though. So the first one, I was leading on the last lap and probably should have blocked the outside lane, but stayed on the bottom and then, uh, lost the nose going into turn three and drifted up the track into the guy that was on the outside or that got into my outside and then put him in the wall and I scraped the wall, and uh, kept going, but then, uh, I guess made contact with the wall again and, and lost it and lost control and up finishing 13th. So, uh, yeah, second time this year that I had the lead on the final lap and in a I racing oval race and ended up not winning happened to me uh, like a month and a half ago or something at any car at auto club so uh yeah i don't know what's i mean i i have won this year on the ovals but um just the couple have gotten away from me that i really should have had back uh you know so uh i mean it's not even guaranteed that i'd win that one because i still have to get out of turn three and turn four cleanly and get through the trial and everything there. So, um, yeah, that was, that was that one. And the other second one that I won the pole, uh, in, uh, ended up not being in the lead, uh, lead group, uh, the final lap, uh, stuck, got stuck in traffic, got kind of shuffled out of the draft, uh, slightly, uh, towards the back of the front pack. So, uh, was, I think in like 11th or something on coming into the trial and they crashed, of course, uh, and then finish in fifth. So, uh, just, uh, yeah, just come up short, but that's all right. You know, keep on going, uh, you know, throughout the end of the year here, uh, in I racing, of course, uh, schedule this week, um, Michigan speedway for gen four, uh, Michigan speedway for Indy cars. So maybe we'll focus on that, uh, Phoenix raceway, of course, for all three NASCAR class a through a, a series truck and cup. So, uh, yeah, be trying Xfinity and trucks for sure on here. Uh, maybe cup. We'll see. Um, of course, uh, road course side. Oh yeah. I did try road courses as well with Arkham and arts, uh, at, uh, Sukuba circuit. That was an interesting experience there. Stock cars on a very small road course, of course. Um, so that's interesting. There finished. Okay. On that one. And then this week, uh, formula forwards at Sukuba circuit, um, uh, series. Yeah. Let's look. Yeah. Look at that. Uh, IMSA at Monza here. That should be fun. Um, Formula One at uh, Brazil. So they're mimicking the uh, Brazil Grand Prix here. Uh, so Autodromo Carlos Pace Grand Prix circuit. So uh, that should be interesting there as well. Uh, and then you've got the uh, Formula C at uh, Circuit Guilvenuve. Uh, there, GT4 uh, fixed series at donnington park um got the uh let's see let, let's see what else we have here uh formula ir at red bull ring um the formula fords as i mentioned at sukuba circuit formula v at sukuba circuit as well formula b at silverstone circuit 
uh, IMSA Endurance uh, Series at Road America, I think. So uh, that should be interesting there. Um, Global 5 MX Cup at uh, Olton Park Circuit. Uh, you've got uh, Ferrari GT3s at Watkins Glen as well. So that's the uh, roadside oval side of course mentioned a couple of those other ones i haven't mentioned uh i guess coming up we got the winter i racing 87 series at daytona that's a long long distance one 120 laps uh i don't know if they have the times listed on there yet but that should be interesting and uh everything so that's that's a uh interesting one there as well um the uh let's see cars tour at new smyrna super late models at nashville uh fairgrounds 87s at uh charlotte motor speedway this week on the yeah 2008 version um draft masters this week once again at in the uh 2011 cot 2009 cot so that should be interesting at talladega uh delara dash at talladega arca at talladega so a lot a lot of stuff going on there as well so uh hopefully be able to get on some point this week and you know probably try phoenix probably try one of the road circuits as well um and probably try you know do 87s at charlotte so you know as always uh stream at twitch tv slash you sailor 2 uh there go on there subscribe follow and watch all my streams when they're there and definitely let people know if, uh, when i am on there and streaming uh twitter which you know been popping off about the six and two jaguars uh jp huffine um go on there and See what I have to say, you know, endorse what uh, other people have to say, sharing memes about the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Cup Series and anything else that I find interesting on there. So go on there, follow me at JB Alpine uh, on Twitter. And then, of course, the channel uh, for the show on YouTube, follow at Grip Street Podcast YouTube. So go on there and like, comment, and subscribe on our videos. So, um, yeah, glad to be back for another week. And, of course, uh, happy Halloween to everyone. And be safe uh, if you go out party or trick or treating uh, on Halloween. Okay, yeah. Thanks as always, man, for all your work on the show and uh, providing your great insights uh, for all the different series and for the NFL and uh, both of our teams going into a bye, and then now we're um, going into um, you know holding pattern, and we'll see what happens coming back from the bye itself for both of our teams uh you can find you can find me at philip uh, or pg matthew 28 on uh, twitter x you can find me uh find uh, the gripture podcast basically anywhere you listen to podcasts but uh you can find at philipgmatthew.com my my personal blog site i mentioned the youtube page josh did um so that's that um, I'm on Philip G. Matthew 28 on Insta. Uh, yeah, that's basically it. Uh, we'll be back for episode 194 of the Grip Strip podcast next week to discuss the NASCAR triple header finale at Phoenix, who wins the championship, the order, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, we will talk about WEC. Um, Next week, whatever else is going on in the roundup, and we preview the Brazilian Grand Prix next week, NFL Week 9, and uh, whatever whatever else comes up uh, between now and next week. So for Josh, I'm Phil. 
Uh, thanks for listening to Gripshire Podcast, and we'll see you next time.